welcome to the 311th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on November 20, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway, I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man who, man, I didn't get nothing ready, fuck. I got nothing. Awesome. That's the <laughs> that's best the kind one of, yet. That's the kind of day it is today, folks. Uh, peek behind the curtain. Carlos and I are both, uh, I don't know, feel a little low today, a little low energy, and that just shows because I did not have my usual intro ready, and that uh, for that, I apologize. No. But I guess we're all human, right? We're all I human. love it. I love that you just owned up to it, and you're like, listen, I got, I got nothing. Yeah. And I, this is officially the slow cast or the slumber cast. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling. What's the low cast? The low cast. Yeah, low energy cast, low mental state cast. I was just talking before the show about uh, Dostoevsky. Did I say it right? The Russian author. Yes, and I'm like totally understanding everything about his works right now. Like, life is suffering. I think I might be a nihilist. I don't know. I'm just (laughs) not in a good headspace. I think I might be a nihilist. I think I'm. That's a good good podcast title too, and T-shirt. Yeah. All right, folks. So I guess we're gonna we're gonna do a show, and we're gonna bring the energy. <laughs> You're uh, like, I shortly. think we'll do a show. I think we're we're all here. We might as well do a show. So Wait, let's do that. Before we get into the show, I just realized in my new kind of uh, headspace that I'm in, the nihilist headspace, the nihilist headspace, maybe. But whenever you introduce the show, you say your name. I never get my name. Okay. I just realized that. I go, you go. I'm Brad Galloway. Everybody gets it. Got it. And you go, with me today is the man who likes to smell flowers or whatever. But, oh, you do say Carlos after that? I say Carlos Rodella every single time, oh, bro. Oh, okay. All right. I, I thought for some with, reason. No, no. Every single time I go, the man who is so-and-so, Carlos Rodella. And oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for some reason this whole time you're just going like, and the oh, man, man who likes to, you know, hide in the elevator for some reason. That's pretty good. I like Hide in the Boy, elevator. this show is getting off on a This great is a weird foot. show, and I'm this just embracing a, it. Yikes. Okay, let's just push forward before anything gets worse here. Okay. Let's just do some housekeeping. Uh, yeah, duct tape down the middle. Yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, we Carlos. get it. There's a house. <laughs> We're just, I, I ain't got the juice for it today, folks. I what do you got, either. Carlos? I got a couple things. I got a couple things. If you want to get into it, I guess. Might as well. This, the whole episode might be nihilist. The nihilist episode. The nihilist episode. Nihilisode? Nihilisode? That doesn't work, no. Uh, so I have one thing, which was, um, do you know that uh, there's a website, How Long to Beat? Do we ever talk oh, yeah. about oh, it? Oh, yeah. I go there all the time. It's been around like forever, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know about forever, but yeah, it's it's definitely been around for a couple years at least. It's been very helpful. And I guess yeah, I yeah. just want to give them a shout out. I don't know if they need it, but um, very cool to, you know, to have a whole website and a team of people like dedicate their time to figuring out how long it takes in roughly, you know, uh, sure. a game to beat. Average. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So just check that out if you haven't. <laughs> I don't know if anybody doesn't know about it. I mean, this is, it's a great site. I uh, I don't know when I found out about it, but it does help for sure. For I mean, a couple things. I mean, number one, when I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, if I've got, like, maybe three games and I don't know which one is the longest and I want to kind of figure out my play schedule, that helps because then you're like, okay, well, one of these is 50 hours and one of these is five hours. Yeah. Kind of lets you know what's up. But then also... It kind of does give me um, a sense of, like, where I fit in with other people, right? So, like, if you go to the website, it'll be like, you pick any game, enter the search, and then it says, uh, like, basic completion is one number, and then it's like, 
uh, I don't know, like professional, <laughs> not professional, like basic, and then like do more stuff, and then the last one is like do everything. And they've yeah. got like three measurements, and so sometimes those can, those can be pretty wildly um, divergent numbers. But I I do appreciate going to that and just seeing, you know, like if I oh if I spent ten hours on this, where do I match up with most people? Oh, okay, you know, and you kind of just you know just 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 for curiosity's sake, you know. Yeah, that, but also like for me in my specific examples, I'm playing ease, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, ease eight again. And, uh, you know, I am 10 hours in. That's a number I'm actually at, at right now. And I want to see how much I have more to go to. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, I go, yeah. am I close to the end? Am I close to the middle? Like, where am I at? Uh, again, based on the average number. Yeah, and so right now I'm 10, and I think they said it's like 37 is like the oh, minimum. Oh, God, that makes me tired just hearing that. I know, but I thought, because I originally looked it up, and it said like 60 hours, and I'm like, oh, I'll never beat this game ever. Even though I love long games, um, you know, I've already played through this like a couple times. So, so yeah, uh, I think I'm not too far away, though. I'm kind of encouraged by that number, because if I'm close to 15 and it's about 30, you know, maybe I'm close to halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Well, Anyways. Good, good, good site. Good site. It's a good site. Uh, one other thing really quickly on Sonic. Um, I've been playing that more. I did get kind of stuck. Uh, there's a couple bosses that are Sonic weird. Sonic Frontiers is what we're talking Sorry, about? Sorry, Sonic Frontiers. Okay. Everybody's talking about it. Um, there's Everybody's a, talking about it. Some sort of controversy with Donkey, but I'm not getting into it. I don't know. There's something happening with that. But um, what I wanted to bring is, I don't think I really uh, talked about this on the last time I mentioned it, but it's a sad game. Now, it's just sad. Like, I think I told you, like, there's sad parts, and then there's, like, fun cyber levels where it's, like, the old Sonic. What but is the sad part? I mean, I don't... The uh... whole game. It's just crazy, because, like, there's these little creatures you meet, and they're, like, these little kind of uh, Pokemon-type little stone characters, but they're actually a representation... Minor spoilers ahead, by the way, people. Of the U.S. economy? No. <laughs> nice. Healthcare? <laughs> uh, yes, to all of those. But they're, like... You get these flashbacks of them, and they're actually had... In the past, they had these like big bigger bodies and those little characters were inside the body for some reason but like their true form was like this tall like majestic figure and they're all, they only have these like little shells left right so they're just sad about their weight loss program it gets worse dude oh, after you do a side mission with them they die what yeah they just fade away and the, and sonic's like well their spirit's gone to heaven or something and that's weird every single side mission i've done with one including one where like uh they needed to like you know, find their true love or something that the little characters found their true love became the big art, big forms that they used to be and died. Oh dude. What's that? We don't need that in the Sonic. Hold game. on. It gets worse. A it's raining a lot, which I actually kind of like, but then B like just even talking about all those side characters, you learn all this kind of very interesting history about the Sonic world, which I don't think anybody else is also talking about like the history of like what their Island is and everything. Without saying too many spoilers, like it goes into like why they're why why they were even on that island and why they're on this island now because it's somehow connected. And a lot of it's just dark. I don't know. They're just like sitting there going like like almost like remember Charlie Brown when they like uh would hang out at the stoop and they just talk? Sure, sure. It, there's like moments like that where like, well, I guess that's just how it is. That's weird, man. I mean, I haven't played this game um, at all, so I don't know and I can't say. But, like, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. And certainly I don't think that I would put myself in the, you know, hardcore Sonic fan uh, category. But it just kind of seems like, like, you know, like you get a new Mario game. It's like, 
hey, it's me, Mario. We're going to do some shit. And then, like, you just play and you're fine. And you don't really need the story. You just enjoy the jumping around and stuff. I kind of, in my mind, I kind of guess that's what I would like from a Sonic. It's just like, you know, Sonic's back. He's still got the dude. He's running. That's all I need. I mean, they don't really need, like, the sad, like, whatever's going on in that game. They're just you describing that. It's kind of bringing me down even further. Dude. It's weird. It's part of our episode. Um, but, uh, by the way, there's, like, you know... What's his name? Eggman or something? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Doctor Robotnik or whatever. He's still there and like he's still got a plan, but like he's talking to this girl who's like a cyber girl and she's really depressed all the time. Oh, so it's a mixture. I don't know. I just I just thought I'd mention that because it's it's weird how it's such a downer. Although here's a fun note: there's a Monster Hunter crossover, and you can get Monster Hunter armor. Yeah, I saw some uh, somebody tweet about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's all I got. I got a couple things here. Um, first off, just a general heads up. Um, I know I always talk about He-Man and stuff. I also collect Transformers. I don't think I've really talked about that very much lately, but I do enjoy uh, some Transformers. So those are my two main jams when it comes to like collecting toys. You know, obviously because that was like the era that I'm from, that you're from too. You know, those are two of the biggest toy lines. But I, I do pick up, you know, a thing or two here or there uh, as the mood strikes me, but, uh, it's pretty rare, but one thing did come out recently, which I thought was just fucking awesome that I need to tell people about. And it was the new Figma of Sam Bridges from Death Stranding. Did you see me uh, tweet about this a couple days ago? No, I did not. I don't really, oh, I've not been on Twitter as much. So Figma, for those people that don't know, is a really high end kind of action figure. I, I mean, action figure slash more like a model, kind of a, a manufacturer from Japan. And all the stuff they do is all licensed and they get all, you know, they did a Bloodborne one. They did a Sekiro one. They've done some, uh, you know, like like uh, Persona, like they, they get the licenses of all the big games and all the cool shit. And they do a really good job. Of these really, really high quality models. Um, they always come with like. 27 different hands so you can pose them and like different legs and heads and stuff you can move them around and they they uh you know like really dynamic stuff it's pretty cool um so they just came out with one of sam bridges from death stranding now oh. i i love death stranding the game um and i i just had a really great time with it. it's probably the only game in recent memory where i've actually played it more than once and i just i just loved his character norman reedus did a great job and the, the character design carrying all those boxes 27 silver boxes on your back is always so iconic and so they put out a figure and it's fucking awesome dude it looks just like him he comes with like a bunch of suitcases i was gonna say can you put the boxes on him oh totally dude totally you can put them on his back his arms his legs just like in the game he's got the little bb on his chest he's got a couple different hoods and he's got a little stance he can pose him look like he's like real weighed down by the boxes it's fucking rad dude i fucking love it and uh, i just think it's great so great job on that from figma and i just wanted to give people a heads up that that thing exists i know there's a lot of death stranding fans out there um, and so if you want a little piece of merch to go with it this is i think the perfect fucking thing so man i get rid of that bb right away I just take it off the damn no, bottle and throw it. No. I throw the BB. We've talked about this. BB. I don't want that BB. I hated that BB. Oh, man. Uh, it's not my BB. Not it, my it, BB is no, another it good is, episode. It's not your BB. That is true. Um, but by the way, that is kind of, again, back to Sonic Frontiers. That's why I said it was like this stranding. In the very beginning, it's just raining and a bunch of like open landscape. It's kind of mm. weird. All right. Well, check out that toy. What else? Yeah, yeah, that is good shit. Um, so also just heads up. Also, we just recently started an Instagram channel for the Soviet Games oh, podcast. Yeah. We have not previously been on Instagram before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And with all of the drama and trauma happening at Twitter right now, um, which seems stable for the moment, but who knows how long that's going to last. Uh, we decided to branch out a little bit. So um, 
started the Instagram thing. There's not a lot right there right now. I'm not really quite sure what we're going to do. Carlos is going to do some uh, clips from the show. I'll maybe, maybe before each show, I'll post pictures of what we're going to be talking about that week. So you can play along if you like. Uh, I don't know, just game-related stuff, anything like that. So that's another way you can get in touch with us if you would like to. So go ahead and check that out. And by the way, that's a great <coughs> idea to just have you post pictures of the games we're talking about. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to make a clip. Uh, at least I'm just going to like say at least one from each episode. Okay. Um, right. And that'll just be kind of like a little audio clip with text uh, yeah. that we can put up there. Just a little something like that. So uh, I will check in on that as often as I can remember. Um, and if you are wondering or if you'd like to follow us or just check it out, it's So Video Games Podcast uh, on Instagram. So check that out. Uh, yep. Last thing that was kind of a kind of a housekeeping, kind of a tangent, kind of a discussion. Um, so I'm friends with Gene Park, who works at the Washington Post. Do you know Gene Park? I don't. <clears throat> he was a staffer at Game Critics a long time ago. Uh, love Gene. And then he went on to become a actual writer at the Washington Post, one of the largest, most prestigious newspapers in the world. And I take full credit for that. As yeah, as you should, as you should. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Gene is a great guy and he is doing some games coverage for, for WAPO, as they call it, I guess. And it sucks because Gene is wonderful and I love Gene forever and ever. But man, people come after his ass like like nobody's business. And I feel bad for him because as much garbage as we take on Twitter, Gene takes like 10 bazillion times more um, just because he's such a prominent figure. And I don't know, people just just want to take him to task all the time. It must be exhausting. I feel I feel really bad for Gene because he's a nice guy. Um, but recently he talked about uh, Elden Ring and it was this big hubbub about narrative and storytelling. Did you catch any of this when it was blown up on Twitter? Nope. <clears throat> okay. Uh, also, I need to just really apologize for a minute because I don't know what the hell's going on, but like, I've got this tickle in the back of my throat that just popped up like five seconds ago, and I am like trying really hard not to cough directly into the microphone. I'm so sorry. Just cough to um, the side, like I will, um, I will. Chocolate rain, like chocolate rain. Chocolate I will do rain. that. I will. <laughs> don't make me laugh, dude. It's gonna dig in my throat. Oh. I'm drinking water. I don't know what's going on, but so I apologize if I'm, I'm hacking and coughing a bit more. Hack away. Anyway. This is the Niles episode. Who cares? <clears throat> Who cares? I know. I know. I just don't want to like hack in people's ears. I'm sorry, folks. Okay. Um. Anyway. So he was talking about storytelling, and I guess the Elden Ring um, got nominated for narrative at the Game Awards or something. Are you following the Game Awards, Carlos? No, I, I, I mean, I'll watch them, but I, I hate all that nomination stuff. I'm like, just just show me the show. I don't okay. need to know the extra okay. stuff. So it got nominated, and then there was like a whole big t hullabaloo, and Gene kind of stood up for it. Now, now full disclosure, I, Gene is a brilliant guy, and I think that in like 99.9% .9 of the time, he and I agree and in fact, even on this issue, I think we kind of agree. I think what it's really coming down to is like semantics. But basically, he was saying that that Elden Ring does great narrative or great storytelling, more specifically storytelling, um, without really using script. For example, his example was if you were in a specific cave uh, in Kaelin or something, and you come through the cave, and the camera pans, takes over for a minute, and it shows you like the vista, and it shows you like what you're looking at, and like that, it, he, he felt like was an example of good storytelling without using words. And I get what he's saying. Like, I honestly do, but I don't think that I would call that storytelling. I tried to make that point with him. Um, and we kind of got co-opted by a bunch of people just like jumping on the thread. So we both kind of let it go. But, but basically I was like, that's not storytelling to me. That's more of like environmental storytelling, which is different than just general storytelling. I mean, there's like a whole, that's why I said it was semantics, right? I think there's many different kinds of storytelling. There's storytelling 
emergent storytelling, environmental storytelling, scene setting, world building. I think these are all kind of parts of the same larger whole, but I don't think they're interchangeable, right? Like I think that um, you have to be kind of really specific about that. And and if I was doing an Elden Ring character coming through a cave and looking at a vista, that to me is not storytelling. That's like, uh, you know, scene setting or something like, I, and I think Square, or not Square, Jesus Christ. Wow, what a show. Not Square, From, <laughs> FromSoft. I think they're aces at scene setting and world building. And environmental storytelling, I think they're great, but they're rotten at just regular storytelling. I think it's one of their weakest, uh, weakest qualities. And so mm-hmm. we kind of got into that. I, we're not going to solve it here or anything, but I guess, number one, I wanted to throw it out to the listeners and see what they thought about that. Do you feel like storytelling is just kind of one thing? Do you do you see a difference or any value in a difference between those different types of storytelling? Or what's your take on that? Do you feel that Elden Ring is great at storytelling? Because I don't think it is. I think it's terrible at storytelling, but I think it's great at world building, emergent storytelling, environmental stuff, but not regular storytelling. And and also with all that, I mean, what do you think, Carlos? I mean, you played Elden Ring as well. What's what's your take on that? Yeah, I'll just chime in for a second uh, and uh, remind everybody this is the Nihilus episode. So you're going to get a Nihilus answer. Oh, um, shit. Let me Lovely. give you a regular practical answer and then I'll give you the Nihilus answer. The okay. regular one is, um, yeah, I don't think it's narrative at all. I think that you can have world building that you derive your own story from. Uh, and when that's done well, it's really fun, you know. I can't think of a game I just played, but I played a game recently where there was not much storytelling, but it was all about like the world itself. And I told my own stories, you know, I mean, sure. even something like vampire survivors, right? Like it's yeah. just um, a mechanic really, but you could be like, tell your own little story about like, Oh, I went to this one, went to the castle and you know, I don't know, make up your own kind of narrative in a way. But yeah, I think that um, Elden Ring is not, I don't think that should be nominated for that at all. Um, if anything, I, felt no story in that game and i played almost 200 hours of it same so if i if we both have played that long uh and we don't know a story then obviously it can't be it shouldn't be i don't think in my opinion uh but the real the answer and the nihilist answer is who fucking cares because (laughs) why is i don't even like the awards idea anymore like i don't like awards i don't like any of that stuff the only reason i like the award shows is because i get to see new trailers like i want to see new experiences i get to have Definitely the that's, biggest draw. That's really it. And I don't want to hear people get awards, and I don't even care about awards, period. And I think the minute we get, just like the Washington Post thing, the minute we get around a topic and we all have, like, an opinion on it, we're just fucked. Because immediately we're all going to, like, not agree. Because it's everything subjective. Everything's subjective, down to, the like, even between a married couple, you know, or partners, oh, sure. oh, sure. or your family. Your family can't even agree on things. Are you kidding me? And we're going to have Never. an award show? Yes, exactly. exactly. So, and we're going to have the Washington Post. No offense to the Washington Post or anything, but like publications in general, I think podcasts work because we're having a conversation, you and I and whoever else is on a podcast. But I don't know. When you start putting things down, you're going like, this is the answer. Well, everyone's going to have a different opinion. So yeah. Yeah. that's my analyst answer. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it was a... I think that Gene has a great point, and I, uh, I I definitely get what he's saying, and much love to that guy. I mean, he is definitely one of my favorite people. So it was just something to think about, and uh, I would love to hear some opinions from people listening. If you've got a feeling either way, I'm always open to hearing what people think, and uh, I guess uh, just wanted to bring that there. Yeah, let me go back to the regular answer then for a minute and away from the nihilism and say that, yeah, I agree with you that um, the idea of world building can be storytelling, So, or I agree yeah. with him, right? Yeah. So that's yeah, not, yeah. he's not wrong there. It's just that with specifically Elden Ring, I highly disagree. Cause yeah, it just, it's, I mean, I was so lost all the time. 
and and that was kind of what it came down to i think that was the thing that we really couldn't like resolve in that in a twitter thread although i don't think many things get resolved in a twitter thread but like you know i was trying to just say that you know i think that like i i get what you're saying but i think that for me specifically and again semantically storytelling is different than like scene setting world building emergent storytelling environmental storytelling all parts of the same thing and they're all good and i think elden ring is great at what it does but you know i just was trying to draw that line between that kind of like ambient storytelling and i honestly couldn't tell you what the fuck the story was of elden ring you know right. so that's those are two different things and real quick to me, to, to me anyway yeah and also to kind of piggyback on that like i think um when i just finished uh what i just finished star ocean yeah that oh, game yeah, yeah. it went too long i had said that before i think it went way too long but up until a point, maybe like three quarters of the way through, I mean, that was intense storytelling. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. have any questions. I was like only experiencing and learning new ideas about like what it means to be, um, you know, in a kingdom or on a spaceship or like artificial intelligence and the singularity. And it was like, you know, definitely like giving me story the whole way through. And at the end, I was like, thinking about the world differently a little bit, you know, it, it, it impressed something on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's like, you know, if you take that extreme and then the open world, just like, I, yeah, come up with an idea from lore you read. There's a lot of in between. For sure. For sure. All right. That's all I had for the uh, housekeeping. Any, uh, anything uh, come to mind while we were talking to Carlos? You ready to move on? No, let's burn down the house. I'm in, I'm in the analysis mode. Let's just burn the house down. Burn the house down. All right. Let's get into the main content of the show. Carlos, you're going to have to remind me, uh, this game that we've talked about before, you played before, but there's a brand new version. It's Ease 8. What is the subtitle? Oh, um, fuck. Uh, Dana Lacrosse. <laughs> oh, my God. Lacrosia. Dana. Dana of Lac... No, no, no. Lacrimosa? Lacrimosa. Jesus. We are the worst podcast ever. No, I'm not going to... Oh, you look it up. I'm not going to go Okay, okay. So Ease 8 just it. came out with a brand new... Uh, revamped PS5 version, shiny and yep. new. So you talk about that, and I will look up this title. Uh, take it away, Carlos. Lacrosia, Dana, Lacrosse. There's this That's girl, Dana, right. in it. Anyways, uh, so I started this game twice, which I've talked about in the show. Uh, I played a lot of it, and then I <laughs> lost my save or something, and then I tried to re-download it, like I just uh, think said last episode, and it wouldn't let me until the PS5 version came out. And then they're not compatible now, the save games. So... Had to start over, but I love Ease. I played nine, and I heard that ten's coming out next year, so I need to have played and finished eight. Um, and so I started again. Yes, it's sixty frames per second. It really does make a difference. You know, there's no uh, screen tear. It's just beautiful. Like it's it's not the best graphics in the world. It's an old school game kind of, but it's shiny. Uh, the lighting's great. Uh, all the controls feel great. I did realize just like last two times I played it. I had to switch the controls, but they're really good at like letting you remap the buttons. Oh, good. So as soon as I got in there, I remapped it. And I was like, okay, jump has to be something else. Attack is box button or something. Um, so I got that going. And yeah, it's like, what's it like? Uh, riding a bike or whatever they say. <laughs> Getting back on, you just remember <laughs> yes, it. Or riding yes. a horse. What is it? You never forget. You like, never forget uh, how to like ride, ride a, a bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Something like that. I know. the. I, know I got back in. I was like, oh, there you go. Special move. Boom. Boom, special move, boom, and I just was like right back in. Uh, so it felt fun. The combat is super fun. I will say this. The dodge isn't the best. Uh-oh. And I'm Mr. Dodge Roll. Um, you check out dodgerollmarketing.com. I'll make a video for you for your game. But um, 
yeah, the dodge is not great because it's kind of delayed. And when you do it, sometimes you can do a perfect dodge, which I love. And it gives you all this like free time to hit the enemy. But lots of times you just get hit. Like I get hit a lot. And I forgot what we say, uh, collision detection or hitbox or whatever. Yeah. But they seem to like go right through my dodge lots of times and just hit oh, me. Oh, that sucks. They so, don't give enough iframes in there. Huh? Yeah, there's not enough iframes in the dodge. And the, what's funny is I think what they're doing mechanically is they're like looking for that perfect dodge, right? And if it isn't the perfect dodge, they like hit you. So that sucks. I mean, yeah, 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 that sucks. That sucks. It's almost like it's not forgiving enough. Anyways, uh, I still love the game. I am again, like I said, about 10 or 11 hours in. I just at the time of this recording, I put it the controller down right before I just got back to where I was when I played it last time. And how long did it take you to get there? Yeah, about 10 hours, 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. But now I know because I go, oh, I haven't seen that particular scene. You know, like, gotcha. I'm Something right cool. back. Yeah. Right, right. So let me ask you a couple questions, Carlos. So first off, um, it is Ease 8, Lacrimosa of Dana. There's Dana. Um, I knew she was why, in it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't remember that. Dana's a character that later on, spoiler, you, you can actually play as a different character in this game. Yeah, I know about that. I don't know what Lacrimosa is, but okay. It's a thing. All right, it's a thing. So just as a quick reminder for those of us who are not as, as well-versed on Ease. Uh, so this one is from a while ago. It's from... I want to say five or six years ago, maybe longer than that, right? 2016, I believe. Okay, so longer than that. And this is, is this real-time combat? Like, what kind yep. of perspective? Like, yeah, this is just a breakdown of, like, the mechanics. Because I'm not, uh, whenever you say ease, and this is dating myself, like, hardcore, but whenever you say ease, I remember TurboGrafx <laughs> looks like Zelda walking around bumping people with your sword. That's yeah. what I think of whenever I think of ease. That's ease book one and two. Yeah, that's ease book one and two. And at some point, they just went to the action style uh, with the even like the chibi graphics and stuff and then they never look back so it's always been action after like i don't know four or five or something okay um and there's very many versions of like the game so it gets kind of confusing but basically like what i want to do is six and seven are on steam uh and they are again those chibi graphics kind of smaller characters but action rpg style almost identical to what i'm playing in eight um, and then nine, which I played, is that same style too, which is just run and gun. All your teammates is are attacking. You can set them on offensive or defensive. It's really simple. They they're really good, by the way. Like they're very good teammates. Like they don't like mess up a lot. AI um, is pretty effective. AFI is, AFI is very effective because basically, like I'm not even feeding them health potions a lot. Like they take care of themselves. They're like they are smart. They don't like go in. Um, I don't think that's what we mentioned, but that's very good. So yeah, it's it's been like that for a while now, many games. And so I'm excited to finish this one. So go back and play six and seven, which is also that same style. And 10, uh, good uh, bringing this up, is going to change the style, they said. Finally. Is this one coming up? Yeah, the one next year. So they're going oh, okay. to kind of go back to basics. I don't know about back to basics, not one and two for sure. But they're going to change it up. That would be really amazing if they did that. If they went back to you, you just bump like against. A little yeah, you just bump into things. Yeah. To them. No, I think I think they're gonna maybe to a fault. I have a feeling they're gonna jump into some of that soul stuff. Um, I, I, mark my word, I think they're gonna do something. That would be wild if they did like a souls inspired combat. I think they might do something like it. You watch, mark my words. Anyway, so that's gonna be ten. So yes, eight is basically action uh, RPG. 
what is the story? You're stranded on an island, mysterious island, uh, a bunch of monsters there. You're trying to figure out what's going on. But the main key component of this game, which isn't in nine, is tower defense. Have we talked about this? <laughs> I feel like you're playing a joke on me. Here. I'm not. I'm not at all. Um, there's a huge chunk of the game where you you create a camp, and it's like basically finding villagers that were stranded on this island from this uh, shipwreck. And you're bringing them all the way back to camp, and then they do something, right? Like they start the weaponsmith, or they start tailor or something, or they make uh, health potions. So you bring these people back, they do something for you. And then when you're back at the camp, you fortify the camp, and these raids happen, and monsters come and attack. And it's so fun. Like I normally wouldn't like that kind of thing, but they do it so well. It's so fun. Like these, I won't go into it, but there's like all those like um, rewards you get afterwards, and there's these waves of enemies, and it's weirdly fun. And so there's like a bunch of that in the game too. Huh. Um, yeah. So that's there. No idea. Literally no idea that was a thing. It's really fun. And uh, yeah, you know, it's old school JRPG. You just go this massive landscape and you find shit and there's all this different gear and you can, um, you know, have to back backtrack and find different locations that you couldn't get to because you got the special gear. But I'll say this, the only thing that's a con and has stopped me and, and you know, it took me a little longer maybe to get back is that they do a pretty bad job at times of like telling you where to go. And oh, signposting and, not good. Yeah, because basically in an RPG you need that, especially this one's <clears throat> such such a massive one. And you look at the map and you go, I have to get there, but I can't. Then you go to the mini map and you're like, well, I've been this direction, but have I been this direction? So they don't just they give you a general idea where the the goal is. It says like you know there's the explanation point, go there. But to get to that, sometimes you don't know how to. Um, so, anyways, a little tricky. Love it. Short, short review. I love it. I'm gonna beat it. Um, hopefully, it doesn't take too much longer. But I highly recommend it. This is the best version of Ease Eight. Period. Ease Eight, Lacrimosa of Dana. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's heartwarming. It's relaxing. <laughs> the feel good movie of the summer. It's a feel good JRPG of the winter. All right, that is Ease 8. Let me talk for a minute, uh, if I don't die of like choking over here, uh, for Hello Puppets Midnight Show. Um, this is not something I would normally review, but my kid likes spoopy games, uh, is big into like Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that. We got an offer to check this out during um, Halloween season. We did not have time to get this on the Halloween show, so apologies for that. And um, we're maybe a little bit later than I meant to. So again, apologies for that. But uh, so this is one which is interesting. And I think that people who like Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, Poppy's Playtime, Bending the Ink Machine, if you like any of those, this is like right up your alley. So maybe perk up your ears if I'm talking to you. Um, so basically, Hello Puppets Midnight Show is a prequel to a game which was VR only. It was called Hello Puppets, and I don't know what VR it was on, but it was just VR. And um, I guess it did pretty well. I guess people really liked it, and they thought, okay, we're going to do this again. We're going to do more. But this time, we're going to uh, bring it to, to more people. I guess they didn't hit the audience they wanted to because the, the VR audience just wasn't big enough for them. So this is a... I don't know if it's VR enabled, but I'm, I was just playing it flat on a PC, so there was no VR at all, and it worked just fine. Um, this is an interesting premise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so it's kind of in the same basket as the, the scary, scary animatronic, scary puppet, scary toy genre. Uh, this guy is a puppet creator, kind of like a Jim Henson style puppet where you put your, your, like a, like a Muppet style puppet kind of a thing. You're mm. like underneath the stage and you got your hand up in the puppet and you're doing TV show. Dude, that can like be, a, those can be creepy. 
Well, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and so he he does this show, but the show doesn't do well. Bad ratings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It feels like his dream is dying, and he gets this magical book that he wants to bring, you know, bring the mojo to the show. His his show will be much better once his puppets are actually alive and they're they're his friends, and it's going to be good, good. And he just wants to do this thing. So he reads this like spell out of this scary ass book, uh, which <laughs> come on, you guys, you know this ain't going to end well. Come on brings the puppets to life and the whole thing just goes sideways <clears throat> it's a really creepy premise because it may not seem that different from other games right off the bat but how they implement it i think is really creepy so number one the the, the graphics of this game really work in its favor they're very stylized and they are cartoony but they're not too cartoony that it feels safe it feels edgy and kind of scary a little bit but it's not so scary that you wouldn't let your kids play it it's like it's straddling this really uncomfortable line which i think is awesome i think they really nailed the line between too creepy and too friendly. And it's just, it's this weird, very uncomfortable space to be in, which I think is perfect for a horror game. So good job on that. Um, I think the voice acting is pretty good and it sets this tone really well, especially in the beginning when you're kind of just figuring out what's going on. The guy's talking about his dream and he doesn't seem like a bad guy. It just seems like he, cause you know, he got, he got sad and he a little bit misguided and he went to the occult when he shouldn't have. But in general, I don't think he went out to, to kill anybody or try to, to make things worse. I mean, it just was like a, just a bad idea gone wrong, you know, kind of a thing. So I, I appreciate the setup was good. Voice acting was good. And how the puppet thing plays out, like not to, I don't think this is even a spoiler because they show it like in the first five seconds of game. But like once this puppet comes to life, he's got like four puppets. The first one comes to life. What happens is um, it doesn't just like float around or whatever. Like uh, like an intern comes in the office and the puppet jumps on its hand and it kind of like takes over his body. And then it wraps this creepy ass cloth bag around that person's head so like they're, they look like they're not even conscious but it's just like this like animated human body and the puppet is driving from the hand what? it's fucking creepy as hell like it's a cool idea it's very creepy if this was a a horror movie or some shit like it would scare the shit out of me because it's very unsettling and very gross looking oh my gosh real um, quick side note that reminds me of that uh nicholas cage movie didn't we talk about it on the show we did. It was the one where he drank all those energy drinks, and it made me confused because they didn't explain yeah. why he drank all the energy drinks. And he fought Five Nights at Freddy's, yeah. Yes, that literally. Nicholas Cage plus Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, so I think the premise is really cool, and uh, I think that the imagery is really good, and I think that's all That's all fine. Uh, once you start the game, you continue as the guy who read the spell. I wasn't sure if he was going to end up being the bad guy, but he ends up still being the protagonist, and you have to kind of undo what you've done. And each of the puppets he has, there's four, has this um, a level. So there's only like, I want to say four levels total in the game. I haven't finished it, but each puppet has their own kingdom. And they're all just like these giant, like labyrinthine, weird, like smooth, like TV sets and stuff. And you're kind of like wandering around. And what it boils down to is a hide and avoidance game. So not my favorite genre. I'm going to just say that full disclosure. But I think it works pretty well. Like, you know, you hear the puppets talking and they give you clues. You run away. If you like those running, you know, like um, Outlast sort of thing, but like not as gross as Outlast, just kind of more puppety than Outlast. Um, so disempowering, running and hiding. And and in, what you need to do is you need to find like these uh, solve puzzles and get these key cards and move on to, you know, bring the game to a close. Puzzles, pretty straightforward, but I think that's fine. Works in its favor. You don't want anything to be too complicated when you are running and constantly looking over your shoulder. Uh, for example, one of the very first puzzles is um, a C-and-say. Do you remember those toys back in the day, Carlos? 80s, like a C-and-say? Uh, you mean speak and spell? Speak and spell. That yeah. was the other one, too. Yeah. yeah, where you like you pull a string, a little dial turns, 
and like an animal will like make oh, a sound. Oh, that you're supposed one. To, you know, yeah, speaking yeah. spells much more com- um, complicated. And they're and related though. The same, the same bunch of uh, toys in the family. But uh, yeah, CNCA was the basic one. Okay, speaking spell was like when you got a little older. But anyway, so that's like one of the basic ones, right? So it's kind of going with the kids theme show, the puppet show. All the the puzzles are kind of like in that basket. Hey, wait, is that the sound of it? No, it's not. That sounded like one of those things. That would be funny. No, no, uh, that's just my stupid phone that I forgot to turn the alarm off. I apologize. Um, but anyway, so so that's all good. Like, I feel like it comes together. I feel like the puzzles are right in the in the right pocket. I feel like the pu- puppets are creepy, but good creepy in a good way. I think it makes sense to do what you're doing. I think the imagery of a puppet driving a human body is fucking gross and scary. That's so that's scary. awesome. Yeah. The only downside. Uh, I will say is that I feel like it's way too hard and I know that they've already implemented some things to make it easier. I never played the original version, but from what I gather, they added um, multiple lives and kind of a restart system that wasn't there before. But even so, I feel like it's way too hard Um, for a game like this. I think just being in the environment is, is enough. And being chased by those puppets is totally enough. Um, but what happens is, like, you'll get caught, like, all the time. Like, you're not sure if they can see you or you think you're safe, but you're not safe. And they those puppets move fast, dude. So I feel like they need to just dial back on the difficulty and really lean into the creep. And not so much on the making me work so hard to actually play your game. Because I kind of want to just play the game and just be be in that in that world for a little bit and get the creepy vibes going. But yeah. if they if they dialed back on the difficulty, um, I think this is actually a pretty well done addition to the scary robot slash puppet slash toy genre. And I think that people who dig, you know, like I said, Five Nights at Freddy's, Bendy, Poppy's Playtime, if you like all those, you definitely should check this one out. I think it's right in the pocket there. Check it out. Hey, remember uh, that train one? We never uh, reviewed that on this show. Oh, yeah. It didn't come out yet, did it? I think it's still... Oh, maybe it's not out yet. Okay. Yeah, the the one where, like, Thomas the Tank Engine, but with spider legs. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, that's scary just talking about All that stuff's creepy. By the way, I still don't understand how that became a thing. Like, the whole animatronics come to life are, are creepy because you know we both grew up with Chuck E. Cheese and stuff um right you went to Chuck E. Cheese's oh yeah all the time yeah. all the time and like the, if it was like <clears throat> if it was dark in one of the rooms I remember like one of the rooms like would not be on or something yeah, yeah and those yeah. animatronics were just sitting there like dead with dead eyes I don't you know that's fucked up I don't want a game about that yeah, that's that's already scary enough. And clearly other people besides us were traumatized. I mean that's where five nights of Well that's where it anyway, came from so, yeah. yeah. By the way did you guys have the Beagles? Yeah, we did. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It was like yeah. the Beatles, but they were dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that didn't is... get that reference when I was a kid, but I get it now. Oh, I think I did because they were singing Beatles songs. By the way, how'd they do that? Copyright wise, I mean, they're not around anymore, so I guess maybe they <laughs> nice. didn't do that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, so that on. is what did I say it was called? It was called Hello Puppets Midnight Show. It is not VR. And it's on PC, so check that out if you like the scary that scary genre. Um, over to you, Carlos, for Pentiment. Now, this is one I'm excited about. I didn't have time to get into it this week. Wanted to, but didn't. And uh, I'm going to leave it to you to tell us about this. But this came to uh, Xbox Game Pass, best place to play games. Is that where you're playing it? It is because it went to Game Pass, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll just I already have that, so let me play." Okay, it. right on. And is this remind me who is the developer? It's, it's Obsidian, um, right? Obsidian. Yes, that's right. I'm right, right. I love Obsidian. Yes, you're right. I was going to say either that or Bethesda, but that didn't sound right. I knew it was at that No, point. yeah, because they're yeah, doing... Yeah. Uh, so basically, it's made by Josh Sawyer. Um, and someone said recently, again, I'm just... This is all what I've heard, that Xbox was like, hey, we're going to give do you a solid and let you like make your whatever game you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a pretty nice solid. Yeah, because like, you know, we have you doing things for us or whatever and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. That's what it sounds like because... And uh, I'll talk about it in a second here. But this game is definitely like a singular vision of like what okay. one person wanted to do. 
Um, so I feel like it's really, you know, Josh's baby. But anywho, what is Pentiment? Um, I was very excited because not only do I love Obsidian, but I like the idea of a story adventure that you can affect. Uh, they really touted that idea that, you know, this is this weird uh, old timey story where you're going to be the character. But basically, you know, the choices you make in the story are going to affect the life of this character. And so I'm always into that idea. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about how well they do that. Um, uh, let me look up the actual time period because I didn't because we don't do anything. I mean, it's like very medieval flavored, right? It's medieval. I just a glance at it. And, but, I know, I mean, but you're it's... kind of bearing the lead on this because the visuals is like the whole thing about this game, isn't it? Yeah. The whole idea is it's like very um, like parchment paper and you know uh cartoony graphics 2d yeah. style like those illuminated pages back in the day when those monks were just like off in their their lonely cell in a cloister somewhere and they're drawing these like really fancy book pages right like all the stuff in the margins and all that yeah well that's your job so basically you're an artist that you really want to work you know in this um this area where you draw pictures of storytelling etc and you are with a bunch of other like older dudes who are doing that as well Okay. You're basically like all together in this little, um, you know, I don't know what I forgot what they call it. Um, like this a little, monastery or something. Yeah, a monastery type thing, and you're working on that. And so that's your job. Um, also, the secondary storyline that is in this uh, game—I don't even call it a game, really—is about uh, Martin Luther, who has new crazy ideas about the Bible and God. Gotcha. Um, and, and we're talking about like Lutheran, not Martin Luther King Jr. From no Martin from Luther, who like helped with you know change Christianity basically. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and so the idea is you're playing in this, you know, um, yeah, this kind of monastery area and you're with all these different people who are old school, like they're very old school. And this, you know, a couple of people come to town and they're talking all these new ideas, these crazy ideas. Um, and you basically get to side, you know, either with them or against them. Uh, it's called the scriptorium. That's what it's called. Scriptorium in an abbey. And it's medieval Bavarian countryside. Man, look at you dropping knowledge like that. Yeah, oh. that's what it is. So anyways, um, yeah, what, how does the story play out? Again, cartoony style. In the very beginning, you can pick um, kind of one, like, uh, cursive style that the, the game text will all be. Or the original, which is each character kind of draws in their own calligraphy style. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if you meet someone who's just in the town and, like, you know, is a butcher or something, it'll be kind of rudimentary and simple. You know, sure. kind of scrawled. Sure. And if it's like someone fancy, it's more fancy writing. I, I like that. That's really smart. That's cool. Um, and then, yeah, the story plays out as you, uh, as a character, Andreas, there's no customization. This is like you're telling, you're just kind of like. So this is his story. It's his story, but yeah. you're moving it along in the way that it's going to be. Gotcha. And really overall, to kind of you jump to the end, the game is about experiencing this guy's story, shaping it a little bit. But really, it's the talk about the long con or whatever it is, like the long burn or slow burn. It's really like, without spoiling it, you, you know, you follow this guy's life a while. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, it jumps at some point, and now it's like a little bit further in time. So you're really following his life as well as the town that you're in. So it's just a real slow burn. Like, of you just like talking to people, figuring things out, making some choices. But really, it's about just the experience of like what it would be like to be back then. I have a feeling that Josh is like a history nut, you know, and this is like telling history 
So I think it's also probably good for kids too, because like you want to learn about stuff maybe. But yeah, so so that's the the story, and that's what you're doing. And you know, you you basically play the game where you can walk around as much as you want, but there's a certain amount of time you have in the day, and at some point it's lunch, and at some point it's dinner, and at some point you have to go to work. And so they don't let you explore the whole world like an open world RPG. It's like you can explore as much as you can in the time that you have. So that's kind of a con in my opinion because every around every corner there's a new character and a new like story to learn, you know. Is it like one of those things where um and again I haven't played this at all. I'm just just spitballing here, but is it one of those things where you have to kind of like pick and prioritize who you want to talk to because there's not enough time in the day like Yeah, exactly. Is it kind of like a persona sort of thing where if you talk to Person A, you further that relationship, but then you miss out on the relationship with Person B. Sort yeah, of thing. I, I could have, okay. I could have led with Persona because yeah, that it's very similar. Gotcha. Um, and by the way, it's uh, someone in the uh, online said having a university degree in theology might help a lot. Um, oh, dude! Okay, because wow. there is a lot of yeah, there's a lot of theology. There's a lot of um, people having you know important discussions about what what everything means. Um, I'll say this. Here's a couple of cons, as you probably already can tell in my voice. Like, the choices don't seem to matter. Like, they okay. matter, but and I haven't got to the end, but I've gotten very far because this game, I feel like because it's so slow, it, it feels like it's longer than it is. Uh, I feel like I've been <laughs> playing it play for, for like days. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, you just, it, you're supposed to just, like, you know, be in the mood for this thing where you're going to sit down and just really get into characters and stuff. And I feel like the marketing for this was more about like, you know, this, this story is going to diverge a lot mm-hmm. and it's not like it. I, I feel like there's probably a few endings or something. I'm not sure how many, but so far it just feels like, yeah, I can't do everything. I've had a couple interesting moments. There's a murder mystery, by the way. And so it felt like Ultima seven at times okay. where right. you go in and, you know, you've got to figure out what's going on. I felt the injustice, the, you know, little, you know, injustice ideas happening or like, oh, no, this person's going to be wrongfully accused or something. And I just got bored and I did not think I, w- I would, weirdly enough. Interesting. I think right. it's beautiful. I think it's smart. I think they did a lot of really cool things. I don't there's no other game like it, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I again, it's really, really focused on theology and like this time period. So it felt like a history lesson. And I would say the only other pro would be that as you do spend so much time with these characters, like the, the little family you're living with or, you know, um, this little bratty kid who's in the town or, the you know, the old monks or whatever that you kind of befriended, you do seem like you get attached to them. So I feel like what the game is is storytelling and, oh, going back to storytelling, this is hardcore storytelling. Okay. The All furthest right. away from Elden Ring possible. Um and I guess like I was saying, the pro is that you can feel a little bit attached to the to the people that you meet, you know, because you're going through these experiences with them and you're talking with them for so long. But the con is you can't go everywhere. I didn't understand some of the puzzles. Um, I just felt bored at some point. Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I think I remember the trailer for this and I love the art style and that's what caught my attention. But I, I couldn't have told you like what it was going to be about and... I mean, it seems really experimental and really interesting in some ways. So, I mean, it's on Game Pass. I'll definitely check it out just to see. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes these little passion projects and people are just, like, amazing. And sometimes they're just, like, maybe just really meant for that one person. And, 
you just get a peek inside of what they wanted to do and you don't really feel brought into it. So you think maybe it was just this guy's this guy's personal pet project. And if you like it, cool. And if you don't, that's okay, too. Well, I, I got to say this. There's like reviews that are 10 out of 10 for this game. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, take my uh, words with a grain of salt because it's just how I felt. And maybe, again, where I was in the moment where I didn't want to just be reading a lot because a fuck ton of reading, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, maybe I, I'll be at a different headspace at some point when I go back. And yeah. I think if I do finish it, like I said earlier, I probably will like be like, wow, that was a good story they told me, you know, or that I went through and I lived through. But yeah, I don't know. You just have to be in the right mindset for it. Because well, again, like you said, yeah, slow burn, you know, like if you're not ready for a slow burn, burn, that can be torture if you're not if you're not up for that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's so many reviews that are like, yeah, they couldn't do anything better. Like it's it's perfect or something. And I'm like, I think I can't disagree because it's not like anything's wrong with it. You know, no bugs, no uh, slow parts. Like I was just moving along and it was doing what it was supposed to do. Yeah. But for me, that wasn't enough. Well, sometimes it's all about the right game, the right time. You know, you can have the best game in the world, but if you're not in the mood for it, it just doesn't click. You know, you got to either put it down, come back to it or just, you know, just wait till you feel like you're in the mood. I mean, I can think of a couple games like that where it seemed like it was going to be my jam and I just for what you know the moon's not in alignment or i didn't have my vitamin c that day or something and i just wasn't wasn't in the mood for it and it's just not going to hit but then when you come back to it you're like yes i am now in the mood for this i want to do this now and it all it all just kind of hits different so. well let me say one more thing because i think this is the crux of it i just thought of that is that i just think that they would talk less because <laughs> seriously if you think about it and i just i'm like going through my whole like maybe even five hours already of it like it was it was just painstaking sometimes because the discussions would go on way too long, but I got what they were getting at. You right, know, right, right, I got yeah. the idea that I was, you know, trying to make this manuscript. I got the idea that this guy came to town and was like preaching crazy new ideas, but I felt like I didn't have enough agency over that moment. And I had to like, let people go on and on about this thing, you know? And I was right, like, I already right. got it. I got it. You know? And another pro before I leave it is that I did learn some stuff, which is cool. Right. Like I didn't I didn't even know like certain things happen in that era. Um, and I won't even spoil it, but there's a, bu- a bunch of really interesting in quotes history spoilers um, about how things were done, you know. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm mixed about it, uh, but I definitely did get bored. I mean, if nothing else, it seems like a great experiment to kind of just check in and check out. And it's on Game Pass. So if yes. you have Game Pass, it's quote unquote free, which yep. we know. We know what that means, but, you know, download it and just see and Maybe it's a jam, maybe it's not. But I mean, if nothing else, it sounds like pretty wildly unique. I mean, it's it wildly like nothing unique. Else. Yeah. 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 And okay. I highly recommend people check it out, period. All right. Pentiment on Game Pass. I am I think I downloaded it, but I got to make some time. So that is I, I, I'm you got to make some now. time. I mean, a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of reading time. All right, let me take over for a second here. We're going to circle back to a game we talked about last week, Shadows Over Loathing. So, oh, yeah. To, yeah, if you listen to last week's episode, then you, hold, you know the whole story. If you didn't listen to last week, just really a quick recap. Um, West of Loathing from Asymmetric is one of my favorite games of all time. And they stealth-launched the sequel, Shadow Over Loathing. Shadow, excuse me, Shadows over loathing uh last week they were working on it for like five years didn't say anything to anybody and then all of a sudden like boom's done here it is go and you know whoa really like that's amazing uh i love west of loathing and i uh i really was very very excited for this game you got a code you played it you talked about it last week and i got a code also but unfortunately i got hit with a bug that was hitting uh 
It was not a huge bug, but there was definitely a not zero number of people who were suffering from the same bug where the game just would not launch. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but I got in touch with the developers uh, after the show and they sent me a fix. I believe they've patched it by now, but there was a, a specific fix. I had to go into the Steam menu and like put a little like force start code or something or whatever. I mean, it wasn't a huge deal, but you know, like you just want your game to work when you play your game. So anyway, long story short, I did have a chance to finally play the game that I was so excited to play. And now I'm here talking about it. So Carlos, quick uh, circle back for you. Have you kept playing Shadows Over Loathing or what What was your what was your last take on it? I know we talked last week, but you still chipping at it or you bounce out? I jumped to the two games that I'm talking about today, or actually three games. So I haven't went back to it, um, but I did get pretty far. So I'm, I'm interested to see where you got to because... Before I stopped playing it, I, I did get, I think, pretty far. Okay. Um, but yeah, as a, to recap, I thought it was uh, weird and funny, like I thought it would be. It's everything I thought it would be. And I enjoyed some of the spookiness of it. Uh, but I did find some of the early combat like tough, and I felt like questioning why it was so tough. <clears throat> yes, I had that same experience. So I will touch on that in just one second here. So, okay, so just as a quick recap for people that don't know... Uh, the Loathing series, I mean, you have more experience than that than I do with it because you played Kingdom of Loathing, but basically this is a 2D um, open world RPG, but with stick figures. Everything is like line drawing and stick figures, um, tons of dialogue, tons of choices, lots of puzzles, um, and like I think humor is clearly one of the biggest selling points of this game. It's really really funny i i mean i mean humor is subjective maybe not everybody is is going to hit the same way but for me and my sense of humor i laugh constantly in this game like really genuine humor jokes landing clever stuff just really wink wink nudge nudge stuff that i feel like really works um so i think it's really great and so with that premise they add some lovecraft stuff on top of it um shadows over loathing clearly a a reference to Shadows Over Innsmouth, one of the most famous uh, Lovecraft stories. And I love this game. I love these developers and I love Lovecraft. So that seems like a match made in heaven. Um, so what is what is my experience so far? I will have to fully admit, I forgot how to play this game. And that sounds like a weird thing to say because you're like 2D RPG. What's, what's to forget? A lot. There's a lot to forget because this game is so smart and West of Loathing was equally smart. And I, I forgot how smart it was. And that's on me. Because you get into this prologue, and I think that we talked mostly about the prologue last week, and I just I just forgot how nuanced and how detailed everything is and how clever it is. And what I mean by that is, uh, so you start the game, you're a guy coming into a town, your uncle's having some trouble, you're going to help your uncle, uh, and then you get, uh, get off a bus and you do some, some things to fix the bus up. Uh, and that's the prologue. The prologue is you trying to find gas for the bus. You're stranded on a road. There's like three or four locations that are pretty small, a couple of people to talk to, and then you got to just figure out how to get the bus back on the road. Uh, so it seems pretty straightforward, and it seems like it's going to just teach you about the controls, which it does, but it also is a really, really great encapsulation of how rich and nuanced this game is, because I completely fucked it up. Um, and I think it's kind of along the lines of what you said last week, because when you were playing the prologue, you mentioned um, that the combat was really difficult. Like you had trouble getting through the encounters. You died a couple times, right? Yeah. I mean, like the first one. Yeah. 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 Same, same, same. And at first I was like, boy, I don't remember the game being that hard. But then when I started playing this tutorial or the, the prologue, uh, I did the exact same thing. I started talking to people I wanted to talk to. I picked up a couple items. I walked around. And the very first battle, I got like smoked, dude. I was like, whoa, what? Like, that's weird. So then I'm like, okay, so maybe I'll come back to this location later. 
which you don't like you it's all it's all a self-encapsulated prologue so i'm like okay well whatever maybe i'll come back later and i'll i'll beat this guy once i'm a little stronger so i go do some more things get to the next combat and i got destroyed and i'm like what the what is going on all folks? right i feel okay. vindicated yeah dude for real you were you were not wrong like i got destroyed in three of the four battles i tried so i i i, I was thinking i was going to come back after i you know five hours later i'll come back to this I'm like, I'm mentally cataloging this because my experience with West of Loathing was like I needed a notebook and a pen and paper because there were so many times I came across something, a puzzle or a fight that I couldn't do. And I'm like, OK, I'll just come back to it later. And that's usually what I did. Right. So I'm thinking that was the same thing here, but it's not. It's not. No. You have to do it all here. Yep. And what they're really trying to low key teach you, which I don't know that they necessarily do a great job of. I wish I wish they were a little bit more transparent because I feel like it's it's tough to suss is that when you're in the self-contained prologue, Everything that you need is there, and you are absolutely not strong enough to beat those guys first, but you have to do a series of like things that you may not think of in order to level up just enough, and if you do everything the right way, you will level up, and by the time you're ready to leave that prologue, you will have defeated all those guys, collected all the experience, gotten all the items, and that is a, it's kind of like a micro masterclass in like how to like layer and teach the player to to dig deeper and to look carefully at details and to put pieces together. It's a very small aquarium that you're led into. Like there's not a whole lot of stuff that you can get lost on. But if you're not in that mindset of, I mean, like right off the bat, I was in the wrong mindset, right? I was thinking like I wasn't even trying to figure things out because I'm like, I'll just come back later, which you can't. Like they they and they don't tell you that uh, until afterwards. But it's like you have to be like, okay, well, uh, I, I find this thing. I need to find what this thing goes to. Instead of me thinking it's going to be something later, I need to do it now. And then I was like, okay, once I did that, then I talked to this guy and then talked to this guy again and search this thing again after I find this other thing. Like, it's just, it's really layered and it's really dense and rich, which I think is awesome, but I just wasn't mentally in that space for it. So I got done with the tutorial. I did basically nothing in the tutorial, right? Like, I'm like, I got through it, got on the bus, got back to town, whatever. The game progressed. I wasn't stuck at all. I just, I just moved on with the game, right? So I'm like, okay, well, that was weird. I'm going to go back. I looked up a a walkthrough for the, 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 the tutorial slash uh, prologue and I missed like a ton of stuff. I'm like, oh, I was gonna God. ask, did you beat that little creature under the counter? Uh, when I went or the under second the bed time, or something. The second time, yeah. like you have to do like 19 other steps before that, and you have to level up like three or four times before you can do that. And if you're not doing everything, then you're not going to be strong enough. And and again, to the game's credit, you can just walk on. You don't have to do any of this stuff. It's totally optional. But it, it's there, and I think they want you to do it. And I think that if you're in the right headspace you will do it. And I tried, but like, I just wasn't in that zone. Right. And then once I read the walkthrough, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. You know, that's right. I forgot about this. And like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And Oh, that's really clever. Let me, let me and, chime in for a second on that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. like dark souls to me. <laughs> Doesn't dark it? Souls, a 2d line. Drawn well, because RPG, think about right? it. Like I, I was confused, you know, and I, yeah. it frustrated me. It wasn't like it was fun. It was like a, Oh, a layered thing that I get to figure out. And by the way, those doors bothered me too. I just remembered. Because the doors, you never know which direction they're going in. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like they did the 2D doors bad. But, um, yeah, I just felt like, okay, I can't, I'm dying, I'm dying. Okay, I probably have to find more shit. So I did find more shit. I leveled up. I beat one of them. I didn't beat the second one. Yeah. And then I just left. And I was like, huh. And then I found that little creature. And, the, and they literally, the game says, you don't want to fight him yet. Like, that's yeah, what it, it says. it literally does. It does. And yeah. I go, okay, so I won't then. And so then if, if you're saying, like, there's a way to do it where, like, you do everything, that feels like souls to me. Because, like, I don't want to try to do the puzzle of it. I just want to tell the funny jokes and, and yeah. go through the story. So, Well, you know, I think you've actually kind of got a point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's pretty fair the way that 
you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Because, like, in Souls, if you are one of those, like, lore masters and you pay attention to, like, all the item descriptions and you push against the edges and you try to put things together, you'll find a lot more than the person who just is in it for the combat, which is me, full disclosure. Um, but, yeah, and, and, and I think that I will... So, again, I think that they could have done a better job of explaining that because if you like me, just breeze through it, you're not going to understand how deep this game is and how much it has to offer. But that's kind of on the developers to to let you know because you don't know what you don't know until they tell you, right? Like, you're just assuming, oh, it's a comedy RPG, whatever, I can probably just do whatevs and just keep going forward. And it does let you go forward, but you're going to miss so much. So I wish that they had, I wish that they had been more um, transparent and and clear about how you can do things um, because like I said, I mean, I thought most of these things were impossible. I'll come back later. No, I just wasn't doing them in the right order. I wasn't putting the pieces together. And then once I read that walkthrough, I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot how clever this game is. And I did not get clued into that here. I wish they would have reminded me a little bit better. So, yeah. um, so kind of a mixed experience, right? It was frustrating, read the walkthrough, came back and then like the light bulb went on that the light, that the walkthrough turned on for me. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. okay. I get it now. I get it now. Uh, I just wish I had gotten it sooner. So I went back and like redid the whole thing. Um, but I mean, uh, to, to say all of this, I don't know if this sounds positive or negative to people, but what I mean to say is that I think that so far, based on the time I've spent with Shadows Overloading, I think it's incredible. And I think it's going to be probably ultimately another one of my favorites, just like West of uh, West of Loathing was. But I think it it its appearance is very deceiving because it seems like it's going to be yuck, yuck jokes, um, funny things happening and you're a stick figure, that's already funny to begin with, and then it's just like a happy-go-lucky whatevs. But actually, um, it's way more complicated. There's, like, way more pieces to put together. There's way more puzzles to solve. Sometimes you don't even know they're puzzles. Yeah. And there's way more locations to visit and things. And so you have to, like, enjoy the comedy and enjoy the, the goofiness of it, but also you have to have, like, your your deduction brain on, your, your, your mystery-solving brain on. And I don't think the game does you any favors because I think they let you believe that it's just about yuck yuck jokes at first, which it's yes, really not. Yeah. And I don't know how long it would be before I would have figured that out without reading that FAQ. I mean, maybe I would have remembered because I eventually did get to that place with West of Loathing, which is one reason I ultimately loved it so much. Like it was such a labor of love and such a well put together thing. It just was like really secretive and I could have used a few more nudges, at least in the beginning. So I don't mean this to sound negative because I love this game and I'm very much looking forward to, to playing more of it. Um, it just was kind of like a bummer that, I had forgotten what it was like to play this game and it's much, much deeper, much more nuanced and um, really kind of deceptive. It seems like it's going to be one thing and it's kind of another thing, but yeah. both of those things are, are good. I will say this too. Um, yeah, I think we both like it, but these are, you know, I want, I want to say the word frustration, but it's almost like that. Um, you know, the small things that I think can make it better because here's the other thing. Kingdom of Loathing, which I played, uh, was MMO, right? Yeah, and so it's a totally different style of game. They could stick as much comedy in, in as they want, which they did. Meat is currency, funny, funny, hilarious, all these little jokes. And you were playing an MMO, so there was no. The only part where you got stuck was because you know you weren't leveling up or something, you know. And you were playing an MMO. It was easy. You get the you, know, you get the idea of the rules. And I remember as soon as I started West of Loathing, it was similar to what I'm experiencing here, which is like, oh, there's different rules. It's kind of an adventure game, point and click. But there's also like these other rules underneath the rules, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that you know that just never was there. In I could just experience the jokes in Kingdom of Loathing, yeah, because yeah. I was like it's just a MMO. I'm playing this weird thing, 
So I think that's the difference is that I can't, you know, I just, I do want just the jokes and the creepy world and the cool art style. Uh, and by the way, this kind of a tangent is a uh, high on life, which I'm very excited for. Um, Justin Roiland's next game, uh, Squanch games, you know, that's like, you know what the gameplay is, which is like first person shooter. And then it's just comedy. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, for me, I kind of like w- been, you know, wanting more of that. So. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fair point. I think that there are a lot of rules and a lot of structure to the loathing games, West of Loathing and Shadows Over Loathing. And I think that you 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 don't get that right off the bat. And and I think that's maybe to its um to its detriment, right? I think if they were a little bit more clear about that to tell you like, hey, this is what's up, like, um and and would get you off on the right foot, I think it would go over a little more smoothly. But now that I am back on track and now that I'm remembering how to play this game and what it wants from you, even when it doesn't tell you what it wants from you, um, I'm enjoying it. And I think it's a really intelligent, really brilliant game. Um, but yeah, so just like heads up um, when you if you check this out, um, there is a lot, a lot, lot, lot beneath the surface. And I would strongly recommend you keep a uh, notepad and a pen. And honestly, like real talk, like there's no shame in this. Like when you do the um, like try the prologue yourself or the little entry point, the the tutorial, see how you feel. And and then after you're done, go get that walkthrough. And then that'll be a really good um, lesson on did I click with this right away or was I not really picking up on what they were putting down? And just just to, just as a lesson, like it's not like no shame. I'm not saying you're a weak game or anything like just just figure it out because sometimes games have difficulty communicating what they're trying to communicate. And I feel like that happened this time, um, which is kind of unfortunate. But play the tutorial, read the FAQ, see what's what. And then that'll give you a pretty good bead on what the rest of the game is going to be like. That reminds me of when I literally started Elder Ring. I was like, okay, I know this is going to be impossible. So I got a guide immediately. Yeah. And that guide saved my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I played the game in a totally different way because of that. That What that guide was, by the way, which is how to go find a bunch of stuff to level up before you yeah, even yeah, yeah. fight anybody, you know? Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I need that same thing with this, weirdly enough, because there's no way you'll beat that first bo- or first character, I said boss, because they're not you're not supposed to or something. So it's like, it's not like... Oh, you could be like that big guy on the horse, you mean? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, also yeah. in this game, you know? like That too, yeah. It's like exactly. the simplest rat or something. I don't know, I forgot what... It, and yeah. you're like, oh, I can't beat it. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was like it was like two spiders or something. I mean, that was like one of the later ones where I'm like, okay, two spiders, whatever, and they kick my ass. And it's like, but if but if you don't know how the game works, if you're not sure of what it wants from you, then you don't know. Is this something I need to come back to later? Is it impossible? Am I missing something? Is there a trick to this? Like you got to be you got to be taught a little bit more. And I feel like that's my only complaint about Shadows Overloading. I feel like they they kind of they do not teach you as much as I think they should teach you. I mean, maybe that's debatable, but. But other than that, I'm really digging it. But just a heads up that that's it is. Yeah, I think ultimately you're correct. Kind of a a souls like experience, try by trial by fire sort of a thing. Yeah. So all right, the shadows over loathing. I'm sure we'll talk about it more later. Um, for now, let's go back over to you, Carlos. Boy, we're talking uh, a lot about Game Pass. You just mentioned um, High on Life, which is coming to Game Pass, I believe, and Somerville, which is also on Game Pass. Game Pass very clearly the best place to play games this week. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll let it stand. Yeah. Okay, I was, I was waiting to see if you had to come back or not. Okay. I'll let it stand. Somerville, um, very excited. This is, I believe, done by one of the people that was behind Limbo, Inside, Inside and Limbo. Yep, yep. Yeah, so That's, it's maybe like in that basket. That's all I know. That's literally all I know. So why don't you fill us in, man? Yeah, it's Play Dead. Remember Play Dead? Um, Play Dead, yes, yes. So yes. one or two of them, I think, uh, people went to this new developer called Jump Ship, and that's who made this, um, Somerville. So we saw this like uh, this trailer somewhere at one of those award shows or something. 
to go back to award shows. Yes, um, yes, yes. And I remember just being like so excited and like, wow, it looks really cool. And the game is basically a point and click type game, you would think. It's not point and click, you control the character. It's okay. an adventure game with that kind of polygon, um, very interesting art style. I can't describe it. I guess it's very similar to Inside, which is kind of, of like, like low poly, low poly, dark, you know, brooding colors and, and just kind of this atmospheric uh, feel to it. And these set pieces and the camera moves on its own kind of world, right? That kind of mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. Adventure game. And so when we saw the trailer, though, again, trailers can be really great because you cut down all these great pieces and the great moments from it. And it just felt creepy. And it showed a family. And it showed, like, what you thought maybe aliens were invading or something. You were confused what's happening. And so it just looked cool. I remember, like, really being Yeah, the trailer away. was really, really grabbed both of us, for sure. Yeah. So, um... Yeah. So the beginning of this game. I, oh, God. I know. That was not a great start. Yikes. Okay. The beginning of this game is fucking phenomenal. And I have a tangent from it. One, you know, it starts with like this car coming home. You, uh, you know, you're, you're part of this family. You see the family. It's you, your wife, and your kid. They're all at the, on the couch watching TV. This whole game has no dialogue. And people just kind of grunt and like, you know, do those little sounds. Or gotcha. point and stuff. And it's interesting because that's kind of a pro for me. I, I've never seen a game, I don't think, like this, where you go through a very long story and it's kind of esoteric and weird at times. But, you know, everyone's just kind of like nodding and saying, hey, do this, do this. And it's almost like adorable in a way. You know, you're like, oh, I get what you mean. You know, yeah. and is that, that, they did that with Limbo and, uh, and Inside too, right? Those I guess that's true. I guess that's true games, too. Right? Yeah. And it's like these so. nonverbal cues, which is like, awesome you know it's kind of cool to see that we can as humans kind of um can you know talk to each other without talking anyway so so you kind of wake up uh oh, oh the, the very again the very beginning is very very cool because the you know the, the i think the dad's coming home and on the car and it's just kind of a shot of the car driving home and there's music playing okay here's my tangent the music's awesome i don't know it's just creepy and beautiful and it's awesome and then you get home and then the game starts and i'll talk about it in a second but that time and the very end of the game are the only times that song or that music comes in. And I'm like, what a waste. Developers, listen to me here. Use music throughout your games. What the fuck is going on? Because so much can be done with music. So much impactful moments. So much cues to the player to be like, oh, this is how I should feel. Well, especially if there's no dialogue, right? And especially there's no dialogue, but it's it's even minus that. Like any RPG, bring a song in at some point, right? Buy you know whatever copyright license you have. If you have it, oh, like only two a few songs, then use you know parts of a song throughout the game. I just don't understand. Like I feel like it's such a wasted opportunity in this game because it's such an atmospheric game, and the songs are in the beginning and the end. So hmm. just a tangent. I, I wish more developers would use actual songs. You know what I mean? Like. Full-on yeah. songs, and just put them in the game. Anyways, that's my gripe. Um, so the game starts really cool where you actually, like, you know, you're the whole family on the couch kind of falling asleep with watching TV. Obviously, weird shit's going on outside, some creepy sci-fi stuff. And you play as the kid, the little kid. He just wakes up, and he's like, starts walking around the house. And I thought that was really smart. I was like, oh, we're going to be all the different, you know, people of the family. You're not. You're going to be the guy. But uh, they just started off with the kid. So the kid's the one who kind of ex explores and falls over and stuff like that. And at some point, you stop playing the kid. The kid, like, falls. And you play as the guy. And that's it. The rest of the game, you're going to play as the father. 
Um, okay, then weird sci-fi shit happens. Obviously, you've seen the trailer. You'll have to start running. Some really weird shit sci-fi stuff happens, and your family's gone. And now it's just you trying to find your family. That's the whole game. Okay. 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 So that starts off really cool, like a really effective... Like I'm learning that there's no dialogue. I'm learning that the you know this creepy sci-fi stuff's going on outside. Uh, I'm learning there's some kind of physics in the world, which is interesting when you bump up against things. Like certain things move around, and I'm learning how to open doors and stuff. And it just feels good. Like you're in the house, weird shit's happening outside. I'm like, this game's gonna be amazing. Like I was so in. And then you basically leave the house and go to find your family. Of course, it's doesn't make much sense why they're so gone. But anyways, and the problem is that most of the game, like the whole middle chunk, mm-hmm. is traversing puzzles. And, you know, traversing landscape, you know, you're out in the world seeing like this, the world's gone to shit kind of, and and mm-hmm. then you're in the mines for some reason, and you spend a long time in the mines. Oh, dude. I don't you know like what I mean? Mines. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, again, I had to go to the FAQ and like look up where how to do the puzzle. Uh, yeah. And like, there's the little, what are those little fucking mine uh, cart things, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, carts. push them to turn the thing to keep the thing. So oh, dude, I'm I, losing, you're losing me on this that, so hard right now. It's, yeah. I was so almost noping out. Okay. So I don't like the middle. I think it's just unfun. Here's the fun part of it though. Early in the game, you get powers and the powers are, to basically push away some of the creepiness that are in the world. Think, remember the gunk? Yeah, yeah. So there's that mechanic in this game. So you have a power that pushes away gunk. Um, then you have another power that like solidifies gunk. So you do that throughout the game. But the whole idea is that the middle chunk isn't really, it's just all in these catacombs. And it just felt like a different game. I was like, I don't want to do these puzzles. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Huh. So you finally get out into the real world again, and it gets interesting again because you learn more story. You're like, what's going on, you know? And I won't say the ending, but the, the last act, it's a, it's, it, let me break this up into three parts. The first part's really good. It's mm-hmm. a creepy family adventure game fun. It feels like limbo. It feels like inside. Then it gets to these puzzles in the catacombs. I hate it. I, I, I hated playing that. I didn't like it. Even though it was cool looking, it's artistically awesome. The third act is David Lynch. Okay. It just straight up doesn't make sense. It's like fucking weird. It's like weird, mm. weird town. Welcome to weird town. And it just gets weirder and it never ends and it keeps going. And you're like, okay, this is the ending. Nope. Okay, this is the ending. No. It just get, And then you go into like, you know, I won't say. Weird shit happens. Sure. And then the very ending is a non-ending. You know, it's like, uh, I think it's very uh, done very well. And the music comes in. And I go, oh, that is cool. So that's my review, almost in real time. Man, is that like real time it review. starts really cool? It gets weird with puzzles. I got almost went in a nope out, and then I stuck with it. And then I was like, wait, it's it's Lynchian now, and it doesn't make any sense. And oh, and they're not going to tell me the answer, are they? Okay, so that's the end. How long did it take you to get through this like altogether? Did you? That's did like you five, maybe five hours or something. Mm. it's like i'm i i love the trailer the trailer caught both of our attention like we said i like the idea of this guy traversing sci-fi stuff that seems pretty adventurous and cool but like i i mean i gotta say like full disclosure um i i liked limbo a lot even though i did feel like a lot of the puzzles were bullshit um i liked inside less and i think the parts that i liked about inside were everything that was not a puzzle 
Yeah, like um, those landscapes, those weird like rooms yeah. you'd go into and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like walking around, being the kid in, in in inside. Like that was all like like that was cool stuff. But when we got to the puzzle stuff, I was like, this sucks, and I don't like it. And like it sounds like the exact same fucking thing that you're describing of like cool premise. I like the start. They fuck you over and just waste some time with a bunch of like whatever puzzles in the middle, and then it gets good again at the end. So yeah, that's like, exactly it. That's exactly oh, it. Man, I was psyched for this, but man, hearing you talk about like mines and puzzles, I'm like, I'm losing steam. So that hard. middle part sucks balls, and then the ending I think is worth it. Like it's really weird. Like again, they just do these things where there's one moment near the end where it's like an emotional moment, and without any words, I felt the feels. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. wow, how'd they do that? That's really cool. I wish this whole game was that, you know? Right, right, And right. then the ending ending, it made me do a thing with the controller, which is not a, is not a spoiler, that I didn't know that I could do. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, dude. I'll tell you. It's a minor spoiler. You have, to, you have to hit, like, L trigger, then right trigger, then both triggers. And you have to do it, like, faster and faster and faster. And I didn't even – I've never done that in a game. And I was like – I had to be, like – it like made you get into a flow, you know, gotcha, gotcha. like it was like a rhythm thing that you got into it, but you watch this thing happen on screen and it felt really good. And I was like, holy shit, this feels amazing. So again, there's these moments where you're like, what the fuck? This is cool. I've never even done this in a game. And it, and then you go, yeah. And I like the ending too. It just, it's, it doesn't really give you an answer. Um, I mean, that's pretty typical for these guys though. Like both limbo and, Inside both had really question mark sort of endings too, so that doesn't I, surprise me at all. I really like that ending for Inside too, without spoiling it. I liked it. Um, so yeah, I think it's worthwhile. It's a it's a work of art. I think it's definitely more Lynchian than a, a story because like it starts as a story and you think like it's gonna be about this family and whatever, and immediately it goes, nope, it's just you by yourself. There's puzzles and none of it really makes sense. Um, again, the third act really good though, so. I don't know what to think. Mm, I don't know what to think either, but it's on Game Pass, so I guess I could try it and see what happens. Yeah, but it's all free, in quotes. Oh, man, I was really thinking you were going to come and say this was a, a home run out of the park, and man. Man, it, it started that way, too. The song, then the music was gone, and I was in the caves with puzzles. And I was like, gosh, <sighs> damn it, what about the song? All right, all um, right, all right. Somerville, there we go. We'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see. All right, one more game, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, now, this is a very surprising one to me. Um, I'm going to be talking about Atari 50, oh. the anniversary collection. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got sent a code for the purpose of talking about it here on the show, which I'm doing right now. So thank you very much to the uh, publishers and the PR people. Um, so, okay, so like we're, uh, I grew up with Atari. I'm sure you did too. Yep, I had all of them. Yeah, I had the Atari 2600. 4800, 5200. They even had a 7800. Yeah, there's a lot of Ataris out there back in the day. And I had many good years with it back then. I mean, that was the shit back then. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have a lot of, like, nostalgia for Atari. Like, it was great at the time because that's what we had. But, like, once we had better games, I don't think I ever came back to Atari games and been like, oh, I missed this. I was like, nah, this sucks now. I want something better. Well, than this, right? okay, let me let me um, debate you that combat okay. is still good. <laughs> combat with the bouncy, the original things? game titled Combat. Wait, what's it called? Oh, it's a tank. It's the tank game. No, no, yeah, no. I just I just want people to, to understand if you haven't played the game, oh, literally right. called Combat. It's you called might be Combat. We're talking about Combat. Yeah, yeah. No, no, and you yes. and there's like many stages, but the ones with tanks where you sure. can take the bullets and make them the bouncy, bouncy bullets. bullets yes, bouncy that's bullets. still fucking fun. I think. 
Yeah, that's super fun. That's yeah. I, that is that's a classic for sure. And you know, Pong is kind of fun too if you put a spin on it. But like a lot of those Atari games, just like you know, I mean, they just don't hold up, bro. That's just like yeah, real talk. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have a lot of like nostalgia for it, right? And Atari's been kind of like I don't know what they've been doing lately. They've got just weird stuff happening. I'm not even sure what to even think of them as that company. Anymore. Well, they're not even sure. Atari. It's it's been bought and sold so many times. It's that's not... what I, that's what I mean, right? They keep yeah. the they keep the name, the logo, and stuff. But like, I don't even know who they are. Like, I don't even know what they stand for. What they're doing? Are they still doing games? And which is kind of why it was such a surprise to see this come out. Because I like real talk, full disclosure. When the PR sent me this code, I was like, oh, pfft, whatever. I could really fucking care less because I don't want to play a bunch of Atari games, and I don't even really have any current love for Atari anyway, and I don't even know who they are. So who cares, right? Like, so what? Because we get a lot of these. We get a lot of these. You know, we get the Capcom arcade collection. And we get like. You know, all sorts of different, uh, like there was a bunch of uh, Telltale collections. There was, I mean, there's, you know, retrospectives of all sorts. There's all sorts of these things. Right. But didn't, um, uh, real quick to, uh, to, to that point, didn't they release the VCS, like the uh, the console, the retro console, I think, recently? You know, maybe. I think, I think that they sounds did. familiar. Yeah. It sounds familiar. So I was like, like whatevs, and I wasn't super keen on trying this, but I had the code and I, you know, I needed one more game for the show. So I figured whatever. And man, I am eating so much crow right now i am so embarrassed and i am so, i'm so oh. i'm so embarrassed because this thing is fucking awesome it's so good dude dude i um, have i have so many questions but I'll, I'll wait i'll let you go oh man okay yeah i will answer all the questions but i gotta say this came out of nowhere surprised the fuck out of me and it's gotta be one of the i mean i hate to be hyperbolic i don't want to be hyperbolic but I think this could be the best retrospective ever made of all time. Holy shit, um, bro. It's fucking amazing. I did not see So number this one, I didn't either. I almost didn't even try it because I didn't care, but I actually care now. So here's what it is. They, number one, it looks great. It's very slick. When you put it in, it comes up as almost like, not like a game, but it's kind of like a, hey, welcome to Atari. We're going to talk about like all things Atari. It's kind of like you're not even quite sure what's going on at first because it's very, very cool and very kind of meta a little bit. And it's all really nicely designed, very slick. I love the um, the artistic, the aesthetics for this, right? So they, it is broken up into era. And it's like on the right side of the screen, you see like the beginning. And below that, it's like, uh, we're taking off. And then below that, it's like uh, big days. And then below that, it's like, oh, the fall. And then below that, it's like, where are we now? And that kind of a thing. So it breaks the whole Atari thing into eras. Um, and you click on one of these eras and it goes into like a timeline. Like 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 you would see at a museum. Like if you went to like any kind of museum about the history of anything, it's like it just looks like museum quality presentation, which is which is great. I think that's amazing. Um, so I went to the very first one, the era, and it's like uh, like all these nodes on this timeline and these little things you can drill down onto. And it has every every fucking important thing that's ever happened in the history of atari is on here and it's it's categorized by date and time and when you click on one of these things it's either going to be a very brief article to read and those are very trimmed they don't like overdo it with like tons of text right which is smart it could be a tv commercial they got the actual commercials Fuck, from tv and that's put them awesome. on there they got uh billboards and advertisers for magazines got the actual scans in there they have interviews from that time from the people who were doing Atari and they've actually got those same people who are still alive. Some of them are now. And then they've got other game people like uh, Tim Schafer and Cliff Blazinski and other people who are alive now who are talking about how it means to them. So they've got like this entire like wall of like data cleanly organized. It's not confusing at all. You can easily see what's going on. They put little titles beside each dot. So you can be like, 
oh, this is like the first time we found Space War, and this is how we got the cabinet built, and this is what happened the first time we took it to an arcade, and Dude. like the, all this stuff, you just follow it through, and you click and read it, and it's just, it's so amazing to see the actual shit, and the thing that makes it fucking the best is you're reading about this stuff, like, you're like, oh yeah, we had the, the Pong machine, go down, yeah, it was a big fight to get this thing made, okay, cool, go down, here's an interview with the guy talking about Pong, the next dot, you fucking, you see a picture of Pong, you push the button, and you're fucking playing Pong, it's like Dude, right there. So, okay. I, I couldn't be more excited. Yes. Uh, I just turned my PlayStation on while you were talking. <laughs> I'm going to buy the fucking thing. I'm going to buy the fucking thing. You should buy right it. Everybody should buy it. Fucking Everybody now. It. By the way, uh, we'll see how much it is. You don't remember how much it is. I don't remember how much it is. I got a code. Sorry. Because this is exactly what I want. Like you said, you know, I love video game history. I love, I've watched every video game documentary I think that exists. And this is, sounds like what this is. It's like a documentary, yes. but in an interactive Form. exactly that is exactly it. it is it is a not a not a collection i mean it is a collection but it's also what i think is i mean to my memory the 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 best produced video game documentary the most detailed the deepest but also in an interactive format which also has all the games they fucking talk about right there that you can immediately play as you're talking about them talking about pong play pong talking about combat play combat it's right there you can back out of it go back to the history lesson see the interviews with all these people that are talking about the thing that you just learned about like dude this is like it's like a whole like semester course in a college or something put onto uh, video game format and then you just kind of go through it at your pace and they even gamify it in good ways right because you earn quote-unquote points for like reading these little things i was gonna so, ask that yeah yep you you earn points for reading little things and then to unlock some of the games you have to play these other specific games and do something special in them so like little easter eggs in there um I, it's just a great presentation i love the presentation i love this content it is it's, it's so killer dude and like like i said at the beginning if you had asked me before I played this, do I care about Atari? I'd say probably not. But after I go through this, I'm like, whoa, wow, I really care about it now because it was so great to revisit all this stuff, seeing all that stuff from back in the day, seeing all those ads I remember, all those commercials, all those yeah, like people, commercials. you know, like you see an interview with the dude, he's got like his 70s haircut and then he's today and he's like, he is 70 now. And so like to see those things contrasted is fucking amazing, dude. Like it's so great. And I just don't understand how this happened, where this came from, because honestly, I didn't feel like Atari was a company that really cared very much about its legacy recently. But boy, seeing something like this, this is the most like amazing passion project I've I've seen in quite some time. Dude, I'm looking at the description. It says just what I alluded to earlier. It has games from all the consoles, 2400, yes. 4800, um, which would just be a trip to go back. And, you know, you just like um, smell certain smells bring you back in time. Yeah. Certain yeah. games can do that, right? And so then it also says that it has some Lynx and Jaguar games. It does. Which is insane because They're Jaguar is number one, like, you know, sought after. One Nobody of the, ever played the Jaguar, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find. And then it also says um, it has a couple new, like, takes on games or something, like new games. Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. You can go through the museum. Or if you don't want to mess with that, which is crazy because, like, it's fucking awesome. But if you want to just get to the games, you can click over to a different menu and they list the games. They list them by the year they came out. So you can play them all in fucking chronological order, which is fucking amazing. Or you can play them by console, which is also great. Um, I don't have an exact count, but I want to say that in total. Is it 100? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, like, 90, 95, something like it's that. 100. So maybe 100. Yeah. Okay, good. That's a shitload of games, dude. And just being able to see them. I don't know what it is, but, like... When you get one of these collections and it's just the games, you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I play these games. Okay, boring, whatever, whatever. But seeing people talk about it and have these little anecdotes about how they coded something 
or how they figured something out that was a problem in development. And then you literally go play that thing in that moment, right then and there. It's yeah. fucking, it really adds a whole new layer to it. And it just was so incredible. Um, even some of these boring ass fucking Atari games, which I never want to play them again. I did want to play them after I heard the dude talking about them. And then once I played it, you know, you don't, you don't spend like an hour on it. You just, you know, play it five, 10 minutes. You're like, okay, cool. Well, yeah. I feel like I, I learned. And I, I put the lesson together with the product, and it was just like a fucking great synergy, man. You get to have the experience of the thing you just learned about, which exactly. is huge. And I guess it's just huge for kids, right, who didn't get to go through this experience. Yeah. Like yeah. some of for us will be like, oh, yeah, I remember this game. Or, you know, maybe I didn't never played it. Because, again, we didn't have I, – I, I was poor as hell, you know. Same. We same. couldn't get a lot of these games, so I probably haven't played a lot of these. Uh, also, yeah, some of the new games it just said is like um, – the sword quest series i don't know i'm not sure what that is but they said they made a new game like a brand new game for that yeah. series this is fucking amazing it's 40 dollars on my playstation so it's a little high but it's also totally worth it from what you're just talking about um yeah yeah I it's mean, done I gotta, it's a done deal I you got, got a code, code. I, yeah i gotta say i gotta say i i didn't think anything was going to come out of this i am i couldn't be more surprised the quality of this i'm not i'm not overselling it dude this is i think probably one of the best if not the best uh, historical collection of, of this type that I've ever seen and they have just gone above and beyond it's so so good um, and even if you don't have nostalgia for the Atari stuff if you like game history if you like game development if you like just you know learning about game stuff in general I mean holy shit dude there's yeah. so much stuff here and it's all so well presented it's it's trimmed it's polished it's 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 set up in a way that it makes sense like they give you the good stories they don't drown you in boring stuff like it's just uh, top shelf, dude. Total top shelf. I mean, just from the documentary and the game history part of it alone. It's just super cool. So, uh, fucking amazing. I'm going to pick fucking it up. Amazing. You got the code. I'm going to buy wholesale, regular price, or whatever it is. Um, but I think it's worth it. So, check yeah, it out. It's super good. Super, super good. So, all right, cool. That is uh, last official game of the show. We're going to end on a high note with that. I know. It, it um, got rid of my nihilism almost. Good. Well, I, dude, if you jump into that, I guarantee your day is going to be brighter, man. You're going to be like, oh, man. Oh, I remember. Th- oh, this is so cool. Like, it's just, it's such a fucking, it's like going to like the best museum in the world and just do that for an afternoon. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, I got a couple things before we go. Carlos, anything uh, non-game related before we go here? Yeah. I forgot to mention it. Uh, you know how I like watching something and playing something that's similar. I like that. Yes. That cross media experience. Cross media experience. Well, I am watching and loving 1899. It's on Netflix right now. It's mm. a creepy series. Uh, basically, I call it Lost on a Boat. So, uh, like the Lost TV show, Lost, and a bunch of people are on a boat, and it's in the 1800s. But there's weird things going on, and is everything what it seems? Maybe not. And I, I just like it for a lot of reasons. One, it's interesting because it's people stranded, kind of lost, confused, uh, weird sci-fi maybe stuff happening. And the game game Ease is about, you know, you're shipwrecked in an island. You're, like, confused on what's happening, and, like, weird stuff happens. So... There's a little cross-media action going on. But what's really cool is that, um, and I highly recommend everybody who watches it check this out, and you as well. I, th- I think I DM'd you this. Yep. But it starts off as dubbed, uh, so everything's dubbed. But I highly recommend turning that off. Put it to English original, I think is what it's called. And even though it says English, it's not right. It's actually, I don't know, seven different languages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool, and I've never experienced this before. The story itself really um, kind of benefits from it because it's about a bunch of people stranded and confused in the 1800s. And then uh, so many of them speak different languages. 
So you have Italian, you have French, you have Polish, you have German, Spanish. you have Spanish, you have English, Chinese, uh, and yeah, uh, uh, Cantonese, yeah, Mandarin, so yeah, Cantonese, I believe. And so, but the point is, there's a bunch of English speaking as well, and a lot of the main characters, in quotes, main characters, some of the you know main uh, people you're following uh, speak English, so. You can leave it on this kind of it's called English regular or something, but then print on turn on the subtitles, and so it's just you, you want to do that because you get the actors, you get the actual actors who are you know incredible in this. Yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the actors are amazing. It's creepy as fuck at, at some t- at some points. It's kind of dark. There's not like a lot of comedy. It's, so it's a it's a darker sci-fi show, but it's such a unique idea. I won't spoil anything because it turns wildly. Like it turns wildly. And you're going, wait, what? And I love shows like that. So that's my high, singing high praise for the show. And uh, I, again, never experienced a show like that would let me listen to so many languages all jumbled together, but then also that be a plot point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you have two characters who are, two, are speaking French and one speaks German, but they're still somehow communicating to each other, almost like uh, Somerville. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. And sometimes Where it's like, they don't. I, I watched the first episode last night, and so, yeah. And sometimes that misunderstanding is kind of also the plot, right? Like, yes. well, sometimes they get it, and sometimes they don't. And yeah, how do you navigate that? I mean, I I just watched one episode. How many episodes deep are you? I'm in six now, and there's only like eight or something. Eight. So, so you're I'm real done. far. You're yeah. Do you know? Um, no spoilers or anything, but do you know? Is this a standalone series? Is this like a beginning, middle, end? And it it's could be. I don't know. I I feel like they could see them doing another one, but I, it feels like so much is happening already in six episodes. I feel like they want to tell this one story. Um, I'd be fine if it ended. You know what I mean? Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, this is from the people who made Dark. I didn't watch Dark, but I know that was pretty well received. And I believe that was a standalone single season. As yeah. Well, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. That was very um, good, too. I got to watch that one. But one one potentially questionable thing, I will say. So my wife and I watched it last night. We We left it on the languages, just like you said. That was pretty cool. And we're definitely interested so far. But one potential downside, um, just this morning, I was seeing a report from someone. Uh, it was a comic book artist from South America. I don't remember which country it was. I want to say, I don't, know, I don't know, some lady who did this comic book, right? And she posted pages from her book. And she's like, actually, this is my story. And Netflix stole it. And she, the, the shots she was posting um, from the show were like screen grabs from the TV show. And she was showing them like side by side with a comic book. I mean, it looked literally the same thing dude and i'm like we oh she had the black pyramid thing that they show in the first episode and like some of the camera angles and she's like yep you guys stole my show and so i don't know if she's going to sue them or what's going on or what happened there but that was like what what is going well, on well I'll, I'll say this in this you know outrage culture it might be an actual thing that sucks you know because that happens uh and i shouldn't even use the word outrage culture because i hate the words outrage culture but people get excited quickly and the internet inflates things fast you know and that's very true something very you true. always be aware of and secondly you know just like recently the Charmin bears uh comedy sketch on snl everyone was being upset because joel haver who i love uh, on youtube had done a Charmin bears uh sketch already that looked very similar but they were different but this is part of what happens in the world too. I'm not saying this is what happened in this case, but this literally just happened on SNL, which is a huge, massive show where people are experiencing so much media. We're taking things in, we're regurgitating it, you know, and 
art in general is that anyhow. Like we're all like copying everybody. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah, it's sure. hard to do For original sure. ideas. So I would I just mean, say that's that. A fair point. Fair point. With I mean, and then, uh, you know, I don't know that I would have even brought it up except for those comparison shots were pretty compelling. So yeah, yeah. it seemed like she, she she may have had a case there, but I don't know the details of that. But anyway, apart from that potential yes. snafu, I do think the show was interesting. We watched episode one and we were both, you know, at the end of it, we we're both like, yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll watch more of this. So we'll see what happens. It so. takes about three, you know how they always do it. You like, yeah, stay yeah. in there for a minute. Cause like some really crazy things start happening. You're like, wait, what is this show? Cause it's, I, it's not what you think it is in episode one at all. Uh, I think it, it takes three episodes to get to get into All right, it. But. That's fair. Anyways, right, right. I like it. And then the other last thing I was going to say is that I'm going to start playing. Oof, I, I think I'm ready. I, I think it's not too soon anymore. Uh-oh. But there's a game called Eden Gate. Have you heard of it? Uh, I don't think so. Eden, Eden Gate? No, Eden Gate, colon, Edge of Life. It's a game that was made during the pandemic um, about a woman who wakes up and, you know, I think there's been a pandemic and a lot of people are gone. And she's trying to figure out what happened. And this um, is a TV show or is it a game? A game, a game. Oh, on my what, PlayStation. what system we talk? PlayStation. On PlayStation. Okay. It's on, I think, maybe everything, though. So anyways, I'm going to finally play it. Just mentioning that I'm going to play it because it's one of those games where during the pandemic, I would have never played it. And not like it's over, right? We still deal with COVID. Yeah. But um, it's just not as destroying of my brain as it used to be. Sure, sure, sure. So that's all I can say about that. And um, so I think I'm ready to explore this game. And again, this is just like a bunch of other shows I've been watching lately. There's a bunch of media that was made during it, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and currently. So it's like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to explore that weird world. It's interesting you brought that up because kind of a tangent here. Uh, you know, my wife and I like to watch stand up a lot. I've mentioned it a couple of times on the show. And um, it's just weird. We were watching some um, stand up specials, just kind of hopping around, just trying to find something we hadn't already seen. And we saw some new ones coming out. I think one was from uh gosh bill burr his most recent one and one was from joe coy and there was like one other one i think um who are people that we generally like um and i'm just noticing uh, the covid connection like you just talked about this game with covid and i'm noticing that people like these performers uh were talking about covid like it was over and i was like okay that's weird because literally at my wife's work we have three people out with covid right now so it's not over it's still happening. People like like more than 500 people a week are still dying. We're having one 9-11 every month still. And, you know, our entire world changed because of 9-11. And we're having one of those a week and we don't care anymore. And these comedians are talking about like it's over. And I got to say, it, we stopped watching them. It was really hard to get through those because, uh, like I said, I've got friends who are sick. I've got friends who are sick now with COVID. And these people get up there talking about like it's over, like no mask. They're just up there. They're making jokes and about how crazy it was back then during the pandemic. And I'm like, bitch, I'm still living it. We're still here doing it. My friends are still sick. Like, what are you talking about? And we couldn't watch it. Like, it just the jokes didn't land. We felt like it was kind of weird and mean spirited in a way. And it was like, what world are you living in where COVID is over for you? I mean, maybe in Hollywood it is. I don't know, but it's not here. So it was really difficult. And I, you know, like people say that comedy is tragedy plus time which makes sense. And I think that's a true statement, but uh, not enough time. Not enough time has passed. We can't make COVID jokes because I'm still living it here. Yeah. So. I think it's, it's also about like the type of joke, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah. I, like, I think in only, my only defense of, I haven't watched those specials, but my only defense in that um, idea is that like, there was a time period that we both lived through um, that was different, right. Than it is now. That's all I could say is different. Like, COVID's still a thing. Of course it is. 
But like there was a time where I I couldn't leave my house at all. Right. And right, right. and, and I also had like uh you know the the intensity of the strains that were out there. I don't know if you know I'm not a scientist. I don't understand how it works, but I know that people were dying quicker or something, and tons of people were dying quicker. And my mom, I couldn't see her or something. So there's just a different uh, mic like uh, state of mind. Yeah. And maybe some of the jokes are around that and the fact that like, oh, yeah, I remember that state of mind we were in. But I don't think you can say like, yeah, now that now we're all in the clear because it's still just a thing that we have to live with. Um, and until it kind of like can dissipate even more, it's still around. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I can see that. I think that also games help because, you know, this game I'm going to start is, you know, got some creepy sci-fi-ness to it as well. Right. So if you're like morphing it and it's not just like, hey, we're right, all wearing masks right, and right. that's the thing. Remember, I played talk about Star Ocean. Well, yeah. Star Ocean had uh, coronavirus, in it, you know, right? it had yeah, COVID yeah. in it, but it didn't focus on it only. And it also didn't downplay it, you know, Um I think Star Ocean did a really good job of it, by the way. It was like, hey, this is serious. We're all screwed. Like, let's be careful, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So anyways, I agree also s- sort of in that way. Yeah, it was just really interesting. Really interesting. I mean, and like I said, we actually didn't laugh and we couldn't watch it. So we kind of moved on. But it's, it's, I'm very curious to see how, if, if or how the entertainment industry performers are going to be addressing this where they think we are now, where they think we came from and what's going forward. So I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows. And it's just, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Well, let me put a last uh, little maybe downer bumper on that is that, um, (laughs) you know, people right now, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about comedians. Comedians are like, like nine 11 jokes happen like a lot. You know what I mean? I still would never make one. I just can't do it. It's just me, my type of personality. But, like, that's, like, a go-to joke. Yeah. And so, like, you go, like, well, where's the time? You know, how much time does that have to pass? But, like, at some point, it will be, you know, that kind of a joke where people just go to it, which is oh, crazy. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, yeah. so what? 9-11 is, what, 20 years? Is that about what happened? Because it was guess. in 2001, wasn't 2001. It? That's right, yeah. So about 20 years. And uh, after that ended, and, I mean, we're not even three years out since the start. So they got like 17 years before those jokes can be made. So hang on to them <laughs> jokes, guys. Yeah, yeah. Hang on to them jokes. We'll also, come back to it in 17 years. Also, I still wouldn't make a 9-11 joke, though. I don't get it. I, I was in New York, I get, you know. Or no, I was in Seattle for it, but I had friends and family there. So I was like, yeah, that's still never funny. Like, planes hitting buildings aren't funny. Like, yeah, I, I know, again, that's a bigger topic because, like, what's funny? But, yeah. Exactly. Moving exactly. on. Moving on. Uh, just a couple things. Quick shout outs. Uh, speaking of Netflix, not the comedy, but the movies, uh, you were just talking about 1899, which seems like a win so far. Uh, and I just watched a couple of movies recently, which I, I got to, you know, I, I wasn't sure were going to be great, but they actually both were really great. Um, the first one was a sequel, Enola Holmes, number two, starring Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill, everyone's favorite Geralt. Uh, this is the sequel to Enola Holmes, where uh, I guess these are based on a book where some lady takes the Sherlock Holmes idea, gives him a little sister. Um, who gets kicked to the curb because at that point in history, women were being very devalued. They had no rights. They were being treated as third-class citizens. Uh, But she writes Enola Holmes as someone who is in the family but doesn't get the attention, but raised by the same mother. So she has the same detective tendencies, the same, uh, you know, deciphering brain as as Sherlock does. Um, And the first one was really good. I thought it was pretty good. 
And the second one, I was like, well, you know, sequels, you're, you're going to hope it's going to be good, but we'll see. But I think they did great. I think uh, it was a really great sequel. Um, it has all the same stars. They pick up right after the uh, the first movie and they have a whole new adventure. And, and this time around, they actually include some historical stuff. They talk about, which something, full disclosure, I had no fucking idea about, but something called the Match Girl Revolution that was in uh, industrial England where, girl, like, the re- this is real, actual facts, girls were being poisoned by the chemicals they were using to make matches. Mm. And so once the girls figured out that they were, they were dying from this stuff, they did, like, a revolt, and they fought for better working conditions and safer working conditions. So that's actual history that happened. That's a real thing that happened in England. And they took that basic premise, put a murder mystery on top of it with Enola, who is Sherlock Holmes's little sister, and Sherlock shows up for quite a bit of it, too. And they just go on this, like, kind of rollicking adventure. Like, it's all kind of, like poofy dresses and fancy guys in those suits at that time like they do their little ballroom dancing and they have little tea and sandwiches but there's also like the dirty gross england where there's smoke all over the place and people coughing with like typhoid in the streets and stuff so overall it was a pretty cool i feel like it was great um i would watch it just on my own but i think it's great for families um you learn some things uh it wasn't uh any risque content at all i think it was really all above board and it was just a really well done thing yeah, it looks fun. I saw the first one, and it seems like, yeah, e- easy to watch and, and, and fun. Yeah, it was good times. It was good times. The other movie that I thought uh, I had more more doubts about, more misgivings about, was Slumberland, which stars a very talented young actress whose name I have completely forgotten. And I apologize. And also Aquaman, but his name is not Aquaman. His name is... Oh, the yeah, guy. the one where he has, like, the dreams. Yes, the Jason dream Momoa. Worlds. That's what it is. Momoa, okay. yeah. So this is actually based on um, Little Nemo in Slumberland. Do you know of this property? I know of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was a comic strip that ran from 1905 to 1927. Uh, it was super, super, super famous back in the day. If you're in comic book circles, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, they, they, there have been lots of different iterations on this concept of a, a boy or a kid that goes into dreamland. Um, they made an NES game out of it. There's been a couple of the games. There's been like multiple books and stuff. So this is a, a property that I think people have kind of forgotten about because it's been so long. I mean, we're talking like 100 years ago, um, but pretty well known at the time and pretty famous in certain circles. So they kind of just take the idea of a kid going into dreamland and kind of turn it on its head and add a whole bunch of new stuff and modernize it. And I think they did a great job. It's very fairy tale like. Um, in terms of like the dreamland and stuff, it's like a special effects extravaganza. Like they just go like way over the top with people made out of butterflies. There's like a crystal city and they're flying on a giant goose and they're underwater and there's like a smoke squid and like all these like really amazing like visuals that are all really, really well done. It looks very cool. Uh, but really at the heart of it is a story about a girl who loses her dad. That's not a spoiler. It happens like in the trailer. Um, she loses her dad. How does she cope with that? And then she gets to move uh, with an uncle who she's never met before. And the uncle really struggles. He's like a single dude, just like businessman, whatever. And he really struggles with like, what do I do now that I have a little girl in my life? How do I, I deal with this? So they use the dream as kind of like an actual adventure, but it's also kind of like a parable. And the whole thing is just really well. I mean, it's it's way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Jason Momoa mugging for the camera and doing fart jokes. Uh, but that, that, didn't, that didn't happen. He did a great performance. It was really... Um, ultimately really touching i think i may have even gotten a little misty-eyed at the end there and it just really told a great story i think it was really mm. really good i i probably won't watch it just because weirdly enough you know that glowing review I, I i think yeah i'm just really tired of um over the top graphics movies yeah 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 and i'm remembering this comic now that i actually did like as old school comic where he fell out of bed and he would like 
be wrapped up in his sheets, but then that would be a different world exactly, or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the art style back then was very cool. I really liked that old school art style. Oh, yeah, same. same. Um, and there's another new artist I can't remember, but like um, copies that style and is really good. It's going to bother me. I don't know his name. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that it might be good for kids and families and stuff. But Yeah, like, definitely a family. For definitely me, family I'm, I'm going to sidestep it because I'm going to go back and watch the old uh, Little Nemo comics. Yeah, it's good stuff. But if you have a family, if you got kids... Or if you want something that goes down a little easier, um, I think both Slumberland and Enola Holmes 2 were both really, really well done. Really good. So uh, Netflix seems like they're three for three with us this week. All right. Good job, Netflix. All right. That's it for me. Anything uh, Anything else, Carlos? No. I'm All done. Right. That's a show. All right, folks. As always, we want your questions and comments. Hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at so video games. We're also on Instagram. And what did I say it was? I said it was So Video, so Games, Video Podcast. Games Podcast. I got to add that to the notes. Uh, also, you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Um, TikTok, I guess. Uh, and also YouTube. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll pr- uh, promote the um, What's the Bit podcast. is a secondary podcast I do uh, every once in a while uh, over on YouTube. It's also on Spotify and all that stuff. It's called What's the Bit Podcast. You can search for that. Also, uh, search for What's the Bit Podcast on YouTube when we put up clips. And some of our clips that, you know, kind of go crazy. People like us talking. It's me and my other friend, Carlos. So it's two Carloses. Carlos and Carlos. Carlos Are you sure it's not you two times doing a different voice? No. Is this what? I think I might have mentioned this on the show before, and I think you've said this before. Oh, yeah. I'm just doing the bit. This is the bit, which is what's the bit. This is the bit. And no, it isn't just me. There is another human being. All right. Uh, So there is that. Check that out. Carlos and Carlos. I'm very curious because I want to see what happens when you put two Carloses in a room. That's very interesting to me. Uh, As for me, same as always, it's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And I will say, um, I did not add this in the notes, but I did start a co-host account. Um, I believe my name is just Brad Galloway there with no space. And I am also on Mastodon, but fuck Mastodon. God, I fucking hate Mastodon so much. Um, but I am on there. I don't know how I can tell you to find me. I don't even remember what my handle is on there. Um, but I am on Mastodon. But don't don't bother Mastodon. I fucking hate Mastodon. Yeah. Um, not a fan. But co-host, Twitter, Instagram. We're on the podcast. I'm at Game Critics. You can find me if you need to find me. You can email me. My email's all over the place. You can find me. So, all right. Oh, wait. Controversial opinion. Yeah. Um, Twitter's fine, people. Like, I, I think it's just despicable and weird and fucked up and probably bringing down you know civilization but it's not going anywhere i don't know what people are doing i made a sketch about r.i.p twitter you know and all that twitter shutdown and whatever was trending and i made a sketch about like the characters were like yeah did you see it's shutting down and the guy's like yeah but i'm still on it though he's like yeah but it's shutting down look everyone's telling it's shutting down he's like yeah because again this is the uncontroversial nope unconventional controversial opinion um it, it never should have taken this is definitely controversial. I don't. It doesn't take seven thousand plus people to make Twitter. Like it, it takes a lot of people, and there's a verification. There's things you really need. System engineers, blah blah. blah. But that, when people say, I'm only saying it to the point of when people say, "Oh, it's just going to shut down now." Now, if there was like a hundred and fifty good people, it'd still be fine. I mean, I can make a website. We all can make a website in like one one day and put it up on the internet. So, yeah, I'm just saying that to say that it's not going anywhere. I don't well, think it's going anywhere. That is a gigantic can of worms you just dropped in. I'm not going to address that right now. Oh, um, I'm just talking from the uh, the technical standpoint. Oh, I know, but that that in itself is controversial as well. I mean, I think is there's it? a yeah, that's hugely controversial. 
Uh, I don't know that we want to get into that now because that's like a. We don't need to, but I, I'm, need to. I'm interested in how it's controversial when it's just a website. I mean, like, there's all this backup stuff you got to do in DDoS attacks, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying, like, from a technical standpoint, people are like, oh, it's going down tomorrow morning. I'm like, that's not how this sure, works. Sure, sure, sure. We're not going to get into that now because I, okay. I think that is a huge thing. But that, and is, that I, is I also... despise what Elon's doing, by the way. I just put that out there. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy and fuck yeah, that guy. Fuck but, that guy all the, all the, all the way. Yes, fuck I'm agreeing with that. Yes, I am. But yeah. Fuck Elon Musk. Uh, anyway, okay, we're gonna leave that where it is. We don't need to have that discussion right da, da, now. Da, da, right. Da, okay. Anyway, we're out. We're gonna bounce. That's Bye. it for episode. No, no, no. no. Oh yeah, yeah. You're too early. Too early. That's gonna do it for episode three one one. Thank you again for joining us on the Soviet Games podcast, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week. Yeah, we'll work. On it. Yeah, we do have to work. On it.